October 30th, 2018. I'm your host, JD, of the Red Leaf Retrocast WrestleCast Edition. This is episode 16. And unfortunately, Rad could not make it today. Life got in the way. But thankfully, I have our essentially regular guest host in Jay from the Smack It Down podcast. How are you doing? I'm, do- I'm doing good, man. It sounds like we got a promotion. Regular guest host. Regular guest host. You heard me right. Bam. <laughs> I'm a regular guest host on your podcast, it seems. Well, that is true. I like your company, man. I like your company. And I enjoy yours. Well, lots of women's wrestling has happened lately, has it not? It has. We had Evolution. We've been having Best of the Super Junior Tag League. Um, we had friggin' Global Wars. Evolution again. Bunch of crap. Yeah, and to go with this episode, our WrestleCast Spotlight is over one of the original ECW uh, guys, and this is a tag team called The Public Enemy. Then we're going to go into our indie stuff, which will cover Rise Wrestling, a promotion we've mentioned in the past once, but there was a quite the Iron Woman match that happened. Followed by Rev Pro Global Wars. Uh, we're going to catch up with Lucha Underground as they head into Ultima Lucha Quattro, which is pretty mm. cool. New Japan's had their tag league, like you said, Jay. So we're going to go into that. Evolution from WWE happened with the conclusion of the May Young Classic. And then finally, WCW uncensored 1998 yes it is that time of the time of the year again for the podcast we've covered wcw thunder up to the point of another pay-per-view so it should be really fun but to start off this episode uh over the course of the weekend um yes i have totally taken this idea from another podcast uh wilford watches and uh new japan uh, Talks, I believe that's their Twitter handle. I'm Go not check sure. them out. They had an episode over starting their own wrestling promotion. Specifically, they wanted to reboot WCW, and I thought that was a just a super fun idea. So, Jay, with you, with Rad, with Travis, who runs a really fun wrestling uh, YouTube channel and the uh, Union Smack podcast, along with Colin, a just he's been a fan since day one. We all did our own fantasy draft with the uh, stipulations 
can only you can only have max one veteran over the age of 40 year, years old in your 10 picks. You have to have at least one woman on your roster. And uh, <clears throat> pleasantly happy that we didn't just pick one, all five of us. So that was nice. Uh, what were the other steps? Uh, one champion, one veteran, at least one woman, no repeats. Yes, no repeats. We we uh, we are we're not allowed to pick the same person twice because uh, we're all starting our own promotion, right? <laughs> we are. And yes, the the big one was you can only have one active champion upon uh, when we were picking within WWE, Ring of Honor, and New Japan. So kind of the big three going in the world right now. Anything else like Walter having twenty titles was fine because he didn't have a big title. Right, he's not a part of Ring of Honor, New Japan, or uh, WWE. So most people won't know him. The casuals won't know him, basically. <laughs> That's debatable. Mm. Well, maybe now, because he's he's that... He's he's just getting titles everywhere. <laughs> In PWG, OTT, Progress, WXW. So he's held a major... He's held a uh, quote-unquote title in four different countries at this point <laughs> he's also got the internet championship for defiant who oh, he will be right. defending against uh phantasmo coming up here that is a promotion you are quite fond of i do i like them don't, i guess because turn my brain off and watch wrestling yeah don't mean a lot of people that like defiant Alrighty, well let's get into our draft um so i do have all the picks here in front of me so uh unfortunately i'm i've had internet problems this morning so, uh, there is no live stream, but it will be uploaded later to the YouTube in its full entirety. Uh, let's see, there we go, Fantasy Promotion. And I have reasons listed for everyone else here. So, uh, the way it went down was we did a Serpentine Draft, which means that uh, it rolls back, so whoever picks first in round one will pick last in round two, and then first in round three, etc., etc. So... Travis picked first, Colin picked second, I, JD, picked third, Jay, you picked fourth, Rad picked last. And that was the order. So, round one. Here we go. You ready for this? I am. Okay. Am I doing Super. my picks, or are you doing my picks? What's going on? Uh, you, you can do your picks since you have yours in front of them. So, um, I don't have my list. Oh, well, okay. I can say the name, and then you can give me your reason. Sounds good. <laughs> All right. So we'll do uh, we'll do Travis's ten. We're just gonna do the ten, so we're not here forever. We got a lot to talk about. Travis went uh, Chris Jericho for his number one pick. Jordan Grace. Uh, well, okay. Uh, Chris Jericho, he said, uh, needs a locker room leader, and that was his champion and veteran in one pick. So that kind of well, that was interesting right off the bat. Solid choice. Yeah, uh, yeah for sure. Big draw. Uh, Jordan Grace was number two. He simply said the future, so that could mean a number of things. I think he just likes thick women, T-H-I-C-C. <laughs> uh, three was Adam Cole. He said the total package. Clearly, he likes what he sees downstairs. Uh, four was Tyler Bate. He likes big, strong boys. I think I, I think we see a, a theme with his picks, don't we, don't we Jay? Uh, yeah, just big packages. Yeah. Just big packages. <laughs> Five Pentagon Junior. Um, I th he uh, he didn't give me a reason for that one, so I assume he's into that BDSM to go with his big packages. 
Uh, six was Kevin Owens. Uh, now he started giving me reasons. Completely going to be my Austin-ish tweener character. So Kevin Owens was probably my uh, my favorite pick from him, for sure. And I'm surprised he lasted that long. Six six picks in between all five of us. Yeah, actually, there's a few people I'm surprised didn't get picked a lot earlier. Yeah. And then this is where his picks started getting a little little weird here. Uh, seven was Lars Sullivan. So he's kind of, uh, he said, needs a monster heal to regulate shit. So, you know, I get it. I, I could have... I, I picked a different uh, monster heel type guy. He so did. I think we're in the same mind. We just had different characters uh, for who it was. Uh, Montez Ford was his eighth pick. Uh, the guy has charisma on levels of the rock. I mean, F the Strike Prophets. Ooh. I don't know about that. Oh, he even said it is much better being settled in a tag team. Dude, I don't like the Strike Prophets. I don't like him either. I don't. I don't see what he sees in this guy at all. I see a dude that has a cup in his hand, personally. Yep. Yeah, they did just win the Evolve tag team titles. Yeah, but Evolve titles don't matter. Uh, well, the Evolve tag titles don't matter specifically. That's for sure. But the the whole company has been gutted so hard. Like, I'm wondering if this is a the start of the maneuver for WWE to buy Evolve, since Triple H likes it so much, and since there's the heavy rumor of NXT going to TV. This would be the next kind of network promotion that they're going to put up, uh, throw in front of us. So what? This would be the NXT to NXT. Right. Uh... Yeah. Just my kind of theory, especially with all the NXT kind of talent that doesn't have much to do going to Evolve right now. Yeah, no, I can say yeah. that. I just, yeah. I'm, I'm not big on Evolve, man. I was big on Evolve. I, I've been doing a, quite a number of shows, and then I didn't go anymore because they were, all the guys were gone. <laughs> yep. Like, literally all of them, and they weren't really making new stars at all. They were just kind of there. Yep. Uh, and that being said, Fabian Eichner. Um, I, I do like Fabian Eichner. I really, I really do. Uh, I don't know if he's Evolve champion material, but we'll see. I guess that's kind of just having the WWE showcasing that they're on top. But anyways, number nine was Braun Strowman, the monster himself. Uh, so he's going to have two conflicting monsters to go against. Interesting. He is. And then 10 was Veda Scott. Uh, the face, let's see, he says, the face that runs the place of the ladies' division, criminally underrated and just as good as a, a heel as Alexa. I mean, I could disagree all day, but I think he just has a fetish for her hard. So I, should, I think we should have known. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like Colin with Isla Dawn. Isla Dawn, yeah. Yeah, we'll, yeah. Get to the, we'll get to her. So his average age of all of his picks was 31.3 years old. <clears throat> so that'll be interesting for later. Um, all right. So Colin, 1 through 10, he went Jay White, number 1, future star and difference maker. I agree with this pick, actually. I do, too. Jay White's awesome. Yeah. His number 2 was Rhea Ripley. Uh, semifinals of the May Young Classic this year, future champion, plus she's just really good. I don't know about the really good part, but she is a star in the making, a thousand percent. Was that his current champion? Uh, well, upon recording, that title that she has doesn't kayfabe exist yet. Okay, I just thought that yeah. I would ask. Now, he, uh, he actually DM'd me before the pick to make sure I was okay with it, and I go, I'm all about that kayfabe, and if the title doesn't technically exist yet, then that's not a champion. 
Okie dokie, apparently it was defended so, at Evolution in the Dark Match? Yeah, which is, again, weird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, three Velveteen Dream oozes Charisma and Potential. Very good pick, again, for sure. Uh, so he's he's got uh, New Japan, WWE, WWE, four Tommaso Ciampa. Um, and he gives me the same reason with Aleister Black slash Tommy End. They're both really good at their jobs. Gimmicks are fantastic, so kind of a stock reason there. Uh, but yeah, uh, Champa and uh, Black, very good. So I think we got a big NXT fan. <laughs> I think so, too. Yeah. And then he goes way left field in his picks, which really surprised me. He went Isla Dawn. Okay. He goes, absolutely loved her performance in the Mae Young Classic 2. I kind of ripped him a new one on, on Twitter. I think we both did. Yeah, because I, I, I just did not understand it at all. I was Neither like, do I. I don't even remember she was in the Mae Young Classic. It's so out of left field, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Uh, seven, he picked Hiroshi Tanahashi, uh, so he went straight veteran here. I mean... The ace is a great pick for sure. He goes yeah, into the locker room done, leader for the young boys. I was going to say, if I could have done two veterans, I was going to go with Tanahashi. Yeah, but you can only do one. That's what made the picks interesting. Then he goes Indeed. Joey Ryan. And his reason's really funny. Uh, how could you not pick the DDT Iron Heavyweight Champion and the King of Dong Style? Joey Ryan, right, you first can't of all, not pick a man who's been champion all, 44 times. First of all, <laughs> he stuffed up that title name. It's the Iron what is it? It's the heavy metal weight. The iron, the DDT iron heavy metal weight championship, or something like that. It's the iron, the heavy metal weight is the important part there. Oh, okay. <laughs> so he's got his comedy character. Uh, I does. guess every promotion needs one for sure. I, I really like Joey Ryan. Got his autograph thanks to you. A lot of people do. Yeah, I did meet the guy. He was. Uh, he seemed either really tired or really high. <laughs> well, could have been both. He's going to be in the championship tournament to crown the first Zella Pro champion coming up here in January at Phoenix, Arizona. Ooh. How about that? Indeed. Uh, nine, he went Cassius Ono. Um, fantastic big man in the ring and can fly like a cruiserweight. Uh, so he's got two WXW guys on his roster, Jay. I couldn't he, be more proud. Well... Two XW to XW originals. Yeah, okay, I guess I'll count Cassius Ono. Chris Hero is being a WXW guy. Oh, yeah. He's a former champion, man. I, I know he is, but, like, he didn't start yeah. there. Well, he started in CZW, but he was part of WXW when it was, like, first a promotion. <laughs> Did you know that he was supposed to be Roman in the Shield? Uh, yeah. I think you okay. told me this, too. Yeah, okay, I was just throwing it out there. The more you know, in case you people didn't realize. Kind of wish he was. Yeah, I wish he was. well, eh, we can touch on that later. Mm. Uh, number 10, Bray Wyatt. <clears throat> when given the chance to actually shine, he always delivers. Well, what have you done for me lately? Uh, he hasn't been on TV since Matt Hardy retired, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, WWE doesn't know what to do with him, and that's been pretty much true since day one. Well, I kind of hope he gets this repackage that they're talking about and maybe some new theme music. I don't know. He was in we'll talks with like Avenged Sevenfold and Parkway Drive. My kind of music to get him new stuff. All you have to do is book a guy to win. That's all you have to do. I agree, but like, hey, a repackage with new music could, could do in the world of good. Mm. So his average age was 30.9, so very close to Travis's. About 0.4 off. 
All right, my picks. This is super fun. Okay. Uh, all right. Um, number one, I picked uh, Valter. Shouldn't be any surprise if you know me from the podcast. A massive big man with great overall skill and can work both face and heel and work with anybody. Uh, number two, uh, Tessa Blanchard, pure total package for the entire future of women's wrestling and wrestling in general can go with the men. So I went with a big kind of intergender wrestling thing in mind, not a women's division. Fair enough. So I kind of wanted to pick, uh, women with a lot of wrestling skill and, uh, can kind of go with the more strong style t- so it could fit with the men better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, three, Jay Lethal. He was my champion. Obviously, current Ring of Honor cha- champion. His technical skill is high level and a proven talent time and time again. So he kind of goes with also that, that veteran pick as well. Uh, for How me, that's the way I looked at it. Since he's been wrestling so long. How old's Jay Lethal? He's only 33, surprisingly enough. But it feels like he's been wrestling forever. Yeah, he was with freaking Impact like back in the heyday, which is crazy. Yeah. Yeah, he was going for the X Division title. He was a black machismo. Uh, he sure fucking was. <laughs> so that's a that's a comedy character possibly that as well. Um, four, I went uh, Almas. Everyone needs a luchador in their mix, and he's good looking too. Jay can't forget that. You know he's only twenty eight. I do now. Yeah. Uh, five, Tony Storm. Uh, one of the best pure baby faces out there, and trained in strong style. So that goes with my reason pri- prior. Six, Killer Cross. I probably picked him too early, to be honest. Um, but an intimidating force, overall scary dude. <coughs> oh, excuse me. With a wrestling background. Never doubt the guidance of the White Rabbit, Jay. Mm. Mm, excuse me. Six, Bobby Guns. Uh, Submission-style catch wrestler. Gotta always have one of those to... Uh, because uh, you kind of gave me that idea when we were talking with, um, in case someone gets injured, probably definitely use them to kind of kayfabe break arms. You know, break uh, yeah, arms yeah. or ankles or what have you. Yeah. Uh, and I think if you're starting a promotion, you definitely need a submission wrestler in there. Uh, yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. I thought about Zack Sabre Jr., however, I think Bobby Guns is more palatable to a widespread audience. Rather than uh, the interesting style that Zack Sabre Jr. Uh, brings. Well, he is Bobby Guns. Bobby, Bobby Guns. Bobby Guns. No, you got the wrong uh, wrong chant there. <laughs> My bad. Yeah. Uh, seven? No, eight. I'm very surprised he went this, this long. I picked Marty Skrull. Mr. Character Work himself. Yeah. Yeah, that was the one I was shocked went so far. And then... Uh, nine, I went way out of my comfort zone with this one, uh, and it's ACH. So he's got a cruiserweight, uh, he's got character work, I've seen him work heel, I've seen him uh, carry a title uh, with confidence, so I like the guy. I really do. I think he's incre- He's um, he's very underrated to me. You're talking about your way out of left field pick, wait till we get to mine. That was my way out of left field pick. With yeah, I'm just saying, like, you don't even know who mine is. And then my last pick, and uh, I will say I was the only one who picked three women. My last pick was Chelsea Green, the badass chick competing to be the best. Uh, that was my idea, and uh, she's got a crazy 
Canadian destroyer, destroyer, and she's got you know that hot mess gimmick going on. There's just a number of things we could do with uh, with her character, so it's just fantastic stuff. My average age was twenty eight point three. Hmm. Very. I was the youngest, by the way. By who was the time. oldest? Was it me? It was Jay. Yes, yeah, May. Him. Or oh, I'm sorry, Rad. It was Rad. Ah. Okay. You were next. You are next. So your first pick was Kenny Omega. Well, dude, Uzu's charisma can work with anybody. Champion. Damn right. Uh, second pick was Okada. Once again, Uzu's charisma, not a champion, but still fantastic in the ring. <laughs> well, you got two of the best wrestlers, arguably, on the planet. One, two. <clears throat> uh, three, Minoru Suzuki. I sense a New Japan theme with your picks, Jay. Well, dude, he's a veteran. <laughs> he's badass. He's terrifying. He can bait those rookies into submission and break some limbs. Damn right. Uh, four, Tetsuya Naito, Mr. Once LIJ. Again, yep, fantastic charisma, brilliant in the ring. Yeah, I mean, you have three of the top four New Japan guys in your, in your picks there. If um, if you could have picked, like you said, two veterans, you would have picked Tanahashi, probably. I would have. Yeah. Uh, five, Millie McKenzie, the 18-year-old. Well, dude, like, friggin', she's... Like, really good in the ring. She's got character work pretty much down pat. She's got all the fundamentals down. She's going to be a future champion in pretty much any promotion she goes to. I got a retweet for that, too. Nice. Nice go. Yeah, you did right away. I was like, wow. Did, I don't think you even tagged her, did you? No, I did. I did. But, like, I'm genuinely surprised <coughs> that I even got a response. Wow. Yeah, I was, I was as well. Like uh, I said, I, I win. Yeah. Uh, six was Will Ospreay. Um... Once again, former champion, really young, bringing hand in the ring, cruiserweight. Flippy stuff. Flippy stuff indeed. Seven, Zack Sabre Jr. Same <laughs> so as Minoru six Suzuki. six out of seven is New Japan. <laughs> yep, same as Minoru Suzuki. Yep. Uh, eight was Jimmy Havoc. I really like this pick from you, Well, honestly. dude, it's, it's Jimmy Havoc, right? Like, he's underrated. Yeah, okay, he's a bit of a hardcore deathmatch kind of dude, but like, underrated hand in the ring. Like, Uzi's charisma. He's just a really good wrestler all around. Well, between him and Osprey, they basically uh, started Progress Wrestling. They kind of put it on the map with their They rivalry. did. Skull was there, too. Skrull was there at the start, and so was Haskins, but it was the work of Osprey and Havoc that kind of made it main, more mainstream than what it, what it was. Indeed. Uh, then you got really weird with your next, with your last Okay, two. let me explain to you, dude. It didn't the seem to fit your theme here. The hips are heartthrob, dude. Casanova Valentine. I did this because I really want to see a match between him and Havoc as, like, a death match. I think it'd be quite entertaining. Uh-huh. I have a guilty pleasure of watching friggin' Casanova Valentine, like, stab people in the face with spikes. Ah, oh, Pentagon and Sammy Callahan style. Yep. He's also a really nice dude. Like I've had tons of convers- like tons of conversations with him. Really nice guy. Yeah, there's nothing uh, uh nothing on him on the internet other than his YouTube videos. <laughs> yeah, and like I said, they're really entertaining. They're kind of graphic, but like, hey, if you want to watch some deathmatch stuff without a ring, it's worth checking out. Uh, and then your last pick was Bailey. Dude, there ain't no stopping us now. We celebrate on the floor. How can I go wrong with Bailey? You got two incredible baby faces there for your women. I just don't know. I I was this is where I was 
confused. I don't know where your two women are going to fit with the rest of the guys, unless you just plan to keep the women division separate. Well, I hadn't really decided that. I didn't know we had to go into full in-depth as to why we chose our... Like, I knew we had to go into it as to why we chose our people, but, like, I didn't know I had to explain it on here as to why the wrestling company and all that Mm -hmm. kind of crap. I thought I was just picking people. All right. So your average age... I couldn't find Casanova Valentine's age, so I just stocked him at 30. I think he's a little bit older than that, but that doesn't matter. Uh, but that still made you 31.8. So you nice. were the second oldest. Nice. I think Minoru Suzuki had a lot to do with that. However, well, you did pick the youngest person at 18 as well. So that being said, dude, out. Suzuki's 50, and he could probably go another 50 years. He'll never retire. That is a fact. Well, he needs to beat <laughs> up them young lions. Teach him respect. <clears throat> All right, so just on to Rads right here pretty quick. Uh, one, AJ Styles... WWE champion, 41, current, it's his current favorite overall. I think he's a proven, just company runner. I mean, he was, he's Mr. Impact, right? <laughs> Everywhere he goes, he's, he runs the place. Uh, to Randy Orton, uh, he's loved him since his debut. Heel Isn't character. Randy over 40? He is 38. I was actually oh, wow. surprised with that. Okay. Again, it seems like he's been wrestling f- even longer than... <laughs> <laughs> Jay Lethal. Indeed. But Randy Orton debuted at like 2021 or something in WWE. That's crazy. Yeah. And so did Lesnar. He was he was really young too. That's why it feels like both those guys have been forever. Uh, hmm. Three, Alexa Bliss. I think that's kind of self-explanatory. And then I really liked the rest of his picks. For the most part. Uh, four was Eli Drake. Uh, Mr. Mike himself. I really like that one. Eli Drake is older than I thought. He's 35. He looks like a 30-year-old. Yeah, I know. Uh, And then EC3 was his next pick. Also 35. Older than I thought. He's got back knee. He does. Uh, Six, Finn Balor. Uh, Seven, Adam Page. So there's his final... Finally is one of his youth picks. That was his first guy he picked under 35. Too sweet. (laughs) Whoop, whoop. Yeah, so he's got a kind of a bullet club thing going on there. Kota Ibushi. Uh, then he goes... Then he went... Again, his last picks, like you, Jay, really just took me by surprise. <clears throat> uh, Stu Bennett. A.K.A. Okay, uh, now, I, I, I need to say something here. Like, I didn't know that we could choose people who were retired. Um, I kind of gave him leeway with that one. Just well, like the Rhea Ripley pick. That's not fair. Because... I could have chosen Sam Punk. Uh, he's not gonna, well... Nathan's Barrett. Well, CM Punk's over 40. Yeah, well, I still could've chosen as my vet. Dude, Colt's personality kicks ass. Then again, so does Kaze Ninare. Hmm, I'm at a bit of a crossroads here. Yeah, I think Kaze Ninare's better. <laughs> I think Suzuki went better with your... with your with your overall 10, personally. Yeah, so do I. I, I know what you're getting at with freaking Casanova Valentine, but I don't see the problem with Bailey. Um, well, she works with Millie McKenzie, so. Yeah. It's, I just didn't see you picking her. <laughs> Dude, Bailey's awesome. And then his last pick was B. Priestley, which, uh, that goes with kind of Travis's Veda Scott pick, you know, kind of the fetish, uh, hot character kind of deal. 
Hmm. B. Priestley's only 22. Do you know that? She's really young, too. Yeah. She's also a um, girlfriend, right? Uh, wife, actually. They got married, I believe. Hmm. Fair enough. Yeah. They are totally together. Cool. <laughs> All right, so that was good. Average uh, average age for Rad was 33.6, so... Uh, that was a lot of fun to do. If you follow us all on Twitter, uh, at BowlingJD, you can definitely find the hundreds of posts that we had as we were all picking this. Uh, it got off to a rough start with people breaking the rules. <laughs> Friggin' rad. Uh, Travis as well. Um, I believe Colin broke a couple. I think he <laughs> I did. Think. I was going to, because I forgot that Jeff Cobb was champion. Yeah. So, uh, but super fun. <clears throat> I quite enjoyed it. It was good seeing what everyone's kind of. You can kind of tell who's ev- what. What's everyone's like favorite wrestlers are who their what their style is. I think it's very uh, obvious. Promotions they watch. Yeah, I tried to get somebody from a. Di- I tried to get everybody from a different country as well. That was my yeah. Thing. I noticed that with your theme. <laughs> uh, I was gonna pick uh, a newcomer, Michael Flynn. He's from Denmark. He's the uh, champion in Denmark. Because I really got into a promotion called Body Slam. They, mm-hmm. they followed me, by the way, I will add. So they're a fan of the podcast. Apparently they listened to an episode or two, and they quite liked it. That's <laughs> utterly terrifying. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> hey guys, if you're listening now, go check out Smack It Down. Yeah, right? <laughs> go check them out. So I'm going to play this uh, this drop here, and we can get into our ECW stuff. Uh, so yeah, definitely... This will be fun. Okay. Uh, Wrestler Spotlight. This will be one of the shorter ones, because usually I like talking about the matches and being uh, being all nostalgic with it, but I didn't watch a lot of WCW growing up. In fact, I didn't watch any because I grew up in the South in the United States where ECW was pretty much unknown. I didn't get it here on TV, because, like, I don't remember getting WCW. Uh, the promotion in the South, that is for sure. But um, mm. I knew, I I just, I, I started to know about ECW at its tail end, uh, way tail end, like, 98, 99, uh, when uh, one of my best friends, or became my best friend, he moved from Philly, and he was telling me all about it, and how his family used to go to those events, and I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> I, I have a question for this. How old was your friend at this time? Uh, we were in uh, we were in junior high, so we were like 12. Next question. What the hell was wrong with his parents? Who cares? <clears throat> I enough. went to wrestling events when I was four and watching that, guys no, no, bleed no, no, all no, over no, the place. No, 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 no. That's not the issue. The issue is freaking ACW as a 12-year-old. Oh, he was younger than that. You don't see a problem with it? No. Like, ACW, man, is not exactly what you would call kid-friendly. So? It was wrestling. Alright, whatever. <laughs> I'll accept it. If, if, uh, well, okay. Um, Alright, so th- this one's over a tag team called The Public Enemy, uh, the team of Johnny Grunge and Rocco Rock. Uh, known as the team that started ECW... And I have a little history here because it's very fascinating, like what this tag team was. So we're gonna go down a we're gonna go down a a learning path here, just like because I have vague memories of this team. But dude, I remember them. Finish school. I don't want to learn things. (laughs) Uh, I remember them briefly in WCW, but they were never kind of a highlight of the tag division at all. 
and then I remember them getting the shit kicked out of them in WWF, uh, which we'll get to that little story. And then uh, I saw them... No, and that was it. So, uh, they, they're known for a few memorable moments, uh, such as uh, the fans' house party when the ring collapsed before they left for WCW. They had all the fans kind of join them in the ring as a last hurrah, and the, the ring just implodes. You can look it up on YouTube. It's pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> fans spilling over the over the apron and everything. And one of the most famous ECW moments was uh, the night it rained chairs. When uh, Cactus Jack and Terry Funk were in a singles match against each other, the public enemy hit the ring for you know to kind of beat them down. Terry Funk calls for a chair from the fans, and then that's when the fans proceed to chuck all the chairs into the ring, and it just piles all over them. <laughs> so that's where that kind of famous moment uh, is from. Uh, it's always shown in ECW packages. Hmm. Uh, then they were known for their long-awaited return in ECW as they jumped the Dudley Boys, followed by a very heartfelt promo, how they wear ECW on their hearts and they never leave, but then it gets really notorious, okay? Mm-hmm. So they're known for big moments in starting ECW, now when they were in the... So that was the early and mid-90s. The late 90s, it gets... This is where it starts getting bad for them. Uh, the first notorious moment came shortly after they reappeared in ECW. So this is at, right after the Dudley Boys uh, beat down. They returned. But the very next week, Grunge didn't sell the 3D. Uh, not once, but twice. And the Dudleys, on the third no-sell, proceeded to just beat the shit out of them. And you can actually go uh, look at a shoot interview where Bubba Ray like talked about it and everything. How... Uh, grunge was like getting on the mic and he just kept doing it um and then public enemy just didn't return to ecw after that so so much for wearing ecw on their hearts right <laughs> yeah yeah it's always weird seeing people no sell like austin aries a few weeks back yeah but that's um that's it's not confirmed yet but apparently it was 100 percent a work which is bullcrap because like that's because dumb. We had that whole thing there with friggin' Russo and everything a few years back, and it was just bad. Uh, not Russo, sorry, know. but like Bischoff. Hmm. I mean, Rad and I spoke about it on a previous cast where Impact kind of needs all the buzz possible right now, and their ratings definitely uh, a tribute to that for sure. <laughs> I said, "What to do? Just put it up on YouTube. Stop paying pop money." Hmm. <clears throat> Uh, well, they're putting up highlights on YouTube now. Uh, yeah, but like... Yeah, yeah. Put the whole shop there. Be Save yourself some money. Mm. Uh, the second one came shortly after their appearance in WWF. Uh, so this was right after the ECW thing. Because uh, that was when they left WCW. They got back to ECW. They left ECW immediately. And then they went to WWF in which they appeared against the Acolytes, uh, Bradshaw and Ron Simmons, uh, or a.k.a. Farouk, on Sunday Night Heat. And I remember this one as a, uh, as a kid. I do remember this, because this is where, apparently, apparently, Johnny Grunge didn't want to go through a table as planned, so he wanted to change it up, right? So I guess he didn't want to get jobbed out, kind of on their debut, in so many words. Well, 
Bradshaw and Simmons just proceeded to go ahead with the original plan, and they beat the fuck out of them on TV. So much so that things had to be edited out. And they, and in this process, it chased them out of WWF. I've heard about this. I've heard about this. There, there's a number of different sides on it. Um, you know, the Dudleys, uh, in their shoot interview, actually, you know, because of what they pulled in ECW, they had every right to believe, you know, the WWF side. Uh, however, when I was doing research on the topic, it seems like Johnny Grunge was kind of known for just talking a bunch of shit, but he would never, like, go through with his words. Because if you look at the, if you even look at the Sunday Night Heat match, they just took it. They didn't really fight back, and they just went through with the original plan, anyways. So, I think this is my personal theory. After getting jobbed out so much in WCW, uh, they didn't want to do that again, right? Going to a new company, particularly mm-hmm. Johnny Grunge was definitely for this, and and I did find a small, small, small interview uh, in an archive. So, uh, and then according to various people, whether it was staff and other wrestlers, uh, upon their arrival in WWF, a lot of the writing staff and other wrestlers um, that didn't go to WCW uh, had issue with Public Enemy because they chose WCW over them during the mid-90s when WWF was going for a lot of tag teams. Uh, and then they also had an issue with ter- a guy named Terry Taylor, the guy who brought them in to WWF, and a lot of people had an issue with this uh, with this guy within the company. Uh, per- s- specifically, the Acolytes had a problem with Terry Taylor, big time. <clears throat> I'm starting so, to see a connection here. Yeah, it all kind of comes together, you know, when you start putting all this. So, according to those close to the public enemy. Uh, they didn't want to get squashed and look weak uh, going into a feud and they, uh, to reestablish themselves in a new company. So that went with my original theory. Uh, so maybe it's a part of being stubborn after their WCW run, you know, as one could imagine, for sure. Uh, and then a lot of that internal issue of, you know, the Monday Night Wars and everything happening... <clears throat> kind of coincides, and and a lot of staff just not liking the guy that brought them in, um, didn't like them choosing WCW. So, <clears throat> you know, I can't really, just based on what I've found, I think WWF just chased them the fuck out. And uh, as for the ECW thing, I don't think there's an excuse for that. Really, I think that was just them being douchebags upon thinking that they're because they were ECW originals they're going to be top shit upon arrival you know Mm. there's that kind of unsung rule that you you kind of return the favor thing because the Dudley boys were the big things in ECW you know after Public Enemy left and then they come back and they were just going to take their spot Eh, not not going to flow it not going to fly because you see that in companies even to this day, when you have, like, take Pac returning to Dragon Gate, right? Or Neville. Some people know him. <clears throat> he's not just going to no-sell moves just because he's back, and that's where he got to start, right? And he's a WWE guy. Or Cody going to Ring of Honor, because he's a WWE, you know. So. Yeah, no, I get you. Yeah. 
so we did two matches like we do. <clears throat> One match was a, a tag team title match. Uh, the Funks, the team of Dory and Terry Funk, against the Public Enemy in a barbed wire match at ECW Heatwave in 1994. I don't like barbed wire matches, especially after I saw that one with friggin' Terry Funk and Sabu. <laughs> well, that was, yeah, that's the one where freaking flesh was ripped off. This mm. wasn't, this one was a lot more tame um, from a lot of the barbed wire matches I've seen. This seems like right up your alley with death matches, but barbed wire matches d- do get you, you know, to cringe a lot of the times because it's, no. it's freaking barbed wire. Yeah, no, I, I get you. And as for death matches, dude, like, I've got to be in the mood for them, like, not all the time because sometimes it's just violence for the sake of violence. Right. Well, that was definitely ECW in the early 90s. <laughs> it sure was. I've got a um, pay-per-view there. It's called Russell Palooza 1997. Um, oh, sure, yeah. That thing's crazy. I think, I think I know... Was that Dreamer Raven before Raven left for WCW? I think so. The main event is the Dudleys defending against somebody. Earlier on in the night, they also defended against Sandman and Balls Mahoney. Hmm. Mahoney, and like, dude, on my DVD of this, like, they've got the um friggin' Motorhead version of Enter Sandman. Dude, friggin' Sandman oh. using Motorhead before trips. <laughs> so, uh, this particular match took place a month before the incident, the night it rained chairs, and that, hmm. and that uh, that comes into play during this match. Oh, so um, I can imagine. Yeah. Uh, a madness-like grudge match where Dory and Terry Funk were... Ba- they basically just beat the shit out of the public enemy. And bear in mind, Tori and... De- uh, Terry... Tori. Terry and Dory Funk uh, were pretty old in the 90s. <laughs> well, now they are it's now. Like like, I'm going to guess ancient because friggin' Dory was at the bloody NWA 70th anniversary thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Dory looked super old then in 94. Uh, okay, so most of the match uh, had a couple points of interest where Public Enemy took control, uh, where they did pick up the win. But the best parts was Terry called for a chair from the fans and a lot of fans started chucking chairs into the ring. Just, just like uh, what we saw a month later. And you even hear the announcer go, uh, stop throwing chairs into the ring or we'll have to cancel the match. And that's when, that's when, uh, the fans stopped doing that. Uh, but again, a a month later, no matter what he said, (laughs) they were throwing chairs into the ring. (laughs) Um, So, dude, friggin' Terry Funk is 74 and he had a wrestling match last year when he was 73. Dude, the guy's crazy. And Dory is 77. (laughs) <laughs> so they were crazy. in their 50s yeah um, yeah or late 40s early 50s yeah, something this like match. That. crazy that's bloody crazy uh, at, one, at one point terry funk wrapped himself in barbed wire with a trash can kind of wrapped to his chest with the barbed wire and he used it as a battering ram dude he was 40 50 something that's that's crazy yeah Oh, he's one uh, dude. The match, the match, he, it was funny. The match ended with um, Johnny Grunge like beating the crap out of him with a chair, hitting the trash can with the barbed wire, and then he just falls to the ground and gets pinned. I was like, okay. <laughs> dude, I got another one for you. Eight years ago, when he was sixty-six, um, he had a match at Ring of Honor's Glory by Honor Nine. Um, 
He worked as a ringside enforcer for the ROH Championship match between Tyler Black and Roderick Strong. Ooh. Might have to look uh, look that up on the archives. Indeed. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so one thing I noticed about this is uh, the crowd is just so super into this. Like, I, I think if you were... Because of the way, I guess, these guys were built up and with the name value of the veterans... Uh, it, it didn't matter what they did in the ring. It had that NWA style to it, but with an extreme touch, so to say. Well, ACW broke away from the NWA, so that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so this this was interesting to see. And then uh, the second match was the Public Enemy versus Sabu and the Tasmaniac, a.k.a. Taz. Uh, Freaking Sabu. I got a friend that's obsessed lots. with Sabu, dude. Oh, Sabu, Sabu is like the... He, he and the Public Enemy are like the two guys that put ECW on the map at the start. Like, mm. they they are... They are ECW, essentially. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, later you can say, or even right away later, um, would be like the Tommy Dreamer, Raven... RVD to an extent. RVD to an extent, sure. Sandman. Um... So this was a double double tables match for the titles, the tag titles, and this was February fourth, nineteen ninety five. So again, hot crowd, uh, and the stipulation of a doubles tables match is uh, both men have to go through the table before a winner can be named. And um, I got real confused watching this. So Sabu does a bunch of funky chair spots. I swear, like ten tables were used in this match, Jay. Uh, mm-hmm. The first couple attempts, the tables didn't break, so must have been Japanese or European. Or progress. <laughs> and it just, the whole match was just them getting essentially chucked through tables and Sabu doing his weird chair spots that he likes to do. He and does. there was a lot of instances where Paulie Dangerously, uh, Paul Heyman, and other guys were just kind of diverting the ref's attention so when someone went through the table, the ref didn't see it, so it didn't count. So that allowed them to just get put through more tables, <laughs> and the crowd was going crazy. Hmm. <laughs> and I was like, wait, they both went through. Oh, the ref didn't see it. Okay, they went through again. The ref didn't see it again. And then there was some interference later, like Benoit gotten involved uh, post-match and everything, so... Mm. Uh, Sabu and Tasmaniac won, but it... W- it was just chaos, and that's what I'm seeing here from ECW is just pure chaos. So if you're into hardcore stuff for the sake of hardcore, definitely this early ECW stuff was interesting, and the Public Enemy being kind of essentially these, you know, when we when you talk about ECW now, you don't think of the Public Enemy. You do think of like RVD, Sabu, Sandman. Uh, Dreamer, Tommy Raven. Dreamer, maybe maybe Sandman. Funk. You don't think of Public Enemy. You do think of Funk, though. But it seems like throughout ECW's early years, Public Enemy were the guys. And they were always in the big matches, always in the main event. Hmm. Interesting, interesting. Yeah. I personally I'd... wasn't a fan of either of these matches because of how chaotic and nonsensical they were. But I do see the appeal. Yeah, well, that's because ACW in general, chaotic. <clears throat> well, I've seen a lot of the, the later stuff, like I said, and it got a lot better. 
It's still crazy, say. though. Yeah. Well, all right. That does it for them. I'm going to play another drop. I'm going to get a drink can... and be back in a moment. And we can uh, get into our Tier 3 Indie stuff. As I'm going to grab a drink. I'm going to play... Um... Man, I, I just can't decide what... Uh, you know what? I'm going to play... Walter, naturally. So not a lot of indie stuff went down recently, uh, other than, you know, your typical Impact uh, TV tapings after Bound for Glory, but as I as I watch it, I watch it on GWN, kind of a week, a week delay, but uh, we're going to start with uh, a little up-and-coming women's promotion called Rise, I'm... and they have a weekly show, mm-hmm. yes, Jay? think nothing at all okay and uh tessa blanchard going into this was uh is the current rise champion the phoenix okay. champion or something right yeah it's got it's got some name like that um and she was set to face mercedes martinez in a 75 minutes iron woman match and upon completion of this match this was going to go down as the longest ever singles women's match in wrestling until next week when started doing like two hour match uh, no, Stardom kind of tops out around the 30 mark, generally. I was being sarcastic. Have, yeah. So, uh, Jay, this match is the best women's match I've seen in 2018. And possibly the last three years. Okay. It was that damn good. The booking of this match was incredible. So... The first fall in this uh, Iron Woman match didn't come until 26 minutes in. Uh, So you could kind of tell from both characters that they were getting kind of frustrated not being able to put the other away uh, so soon. Because you'd think the first fall would come pretty quickly, but they had to space a lot of this out, I guess. And what happened was uh, Mercedes Martinez zip-tied Blanchard to the outside and got a count-out fall. (laughs) <laughs> it's kind of a low move. But, well, Mercedes Martinez was going into this as the as the heel. That's weird. Um, well, she's got that. She's got a badass persona to her. Um, you know, uh, it, it works. She's usually a heel where she goes. And uh, what ended up happening was the ref caught it and reversed the decision. So the first fall to Tessa Blanchard. So I really like that. You immediately establish. Or not immediately established, but you you do establish furthermore that Mercedes Martinez is going to do whatever it takes to win, and uh, get Blanchard onto kind of the uh, babyface side of things even more so. Hmm. Uh, the second fall uh, came pretty quickly, where Blanchard hits her hammerlock DDT, uh, so she goes up to nothing. Then a uh, little time passes. Third fall goes to Martinez after. Uh, hitting Tessa Blanchard with a draping DDT off a railing to go 2-1. And um, so she gets a count out, and then Tessa sells the piss out of it. She barely beats the count back at the ring, 
and then Mercedes just hits her finisher again, so it's tied two to two. So the the booking of this really does make sense in a lot of ways. You following me so far, Jay? Jay? Sorry, had a full of water. I, I'm here. I'm with you. Okay. So, um, upon getting, uh, upon the, the falls getting tied two to two, Blanchard does a reversal and immediately hits her kind of code red, uh, and goes up three to two. So that then establishes that you can get a fall out of nowhere. So I was like, wow, you, you, you just couldn't really see these falls coming. And that, that really, for a long match, you have to do that. You do, Otherwise, because like, if you say something coming, you'll get bored. Right. So, um, so it's three to two, there's uh, ten minutes left in the match, so we're at that kind of just over the hour mark, right? And it's three to two, Tessa Blanchard. Uh, and then, this is where the match goes way into high gear. Like, you're already an hour into this match, right? Uh, you know, I've had my coffee, I got, I got like a uh, you know, I'm just snacking on chips, and I'm just going, what the hell is going to happen? You know, is it, I, I was figuring it was just going to, like, stay this way till the end. Well, Mercedes Martinez gets a chair and proceeds to just batter Tessa Blanchard's leg. So, uh, Blanchard goes up 4-2 to two because of the DQ. But then, she's not able to get back to her feet and start the match again, so she gets counted. So now Martinez uh, gets 4-3... And then she quickly gets another, uh, another fall, uh, another two falls. She gets a pin and a submission, just bang, bang. So she gets three straight falls in basically quick succession in the next five minutes because of this kind of going for broke here with the chair. Mm -hmm. So with five minutes left, this is where Blanchard, like, gets this crazy comeback and the crowd is just going insane, right? Because they just witnessed three falls, Mercedes cheating, they're booing the shit out of her. Uh, Blanchard is just gone like super Cena babyface mode, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, she hits her Magnum Codebreaker, you know, the top rope Codebreaker that she does uh, mm-hmm. on Martinez. And Martinez not only rolls out of the ring, she also goes under the ring. <laughs> bitch. So she, yeah, exactly. And the you could hear that in the audience, people going, "You bitch, get out of the ring!" You know. Oh, they were booing the hell out of her really into it and I go wow that's really like that's tactics that you don't see in wrestling too often yeah well it kind of was an Ironman match yeah and then uh, Tessa does eventually get her in the ring she hits the DDT but she couldn't beat the clock and loses the match damn what an epic story it was so epic it's one of my favorite matches of 2018 I think my favorite match this year so far is either the gauntlet from Dubs Dubs earlier this year or the friggin' Okada and Omega match from Dominion. I don't know. Uh, Okada Suzuki match in the rain is definitely up there for me. But yeah, this, oh, yeah, this, the, this the Tessa Blanchard Mercedes. This Tessa Blanchard Mercedes Martinez match is one of the best matches of the year. I mean, if ever if anyone's talking about uh, evolution everything this is or or fans of stardom or anything this is just a wrestling match that needs to be sought out um you can go to riseascent.com and it's five dollars to sign up for the service and five dollars for essentially a movie because <laughs> it was 75 minutes <laughs> or you can pay ten dollars and just buy the pay-per-view 
Or just buy it outright, yeah. Yeah. Well, no, $5 you get the service and you can watch the whole, whole yeah, event in their backlog. Yeah, but that's also the other option, which is what I was looking at doing, but now I know there's a subscription service. Yeah. So, just crazy stuff. Uh, I Like, I had watched their 30-minute Iron Woman match from the summer, and that was really good. So they, they definitely one-up themselves heavily in this match. Just crazy. Uh, Alright, so, moving on. We got RevPro. Uh, RevPro versus New Japan Global Wars 2018. Global Wars UK. And um, not much happened on this pay-per-view, unfortunately. No. Uh, what'd you say? Just say so, Jay. No, like, just the main event is pretty much it. Like, Zack Sabre and Goto had a good match. Like, Ring Kampf had a match with LIJ, but nothing really happened. Yeah, I mean, it was a good technical match with uh, Zack and, and Goto. Um, Zack took a hell of a... of a um, Shit, what's uh, Goto's finisher? I'm bl- uh, GTR. Uh, the GTR off, off like, a drape... Uh, he was draped over the top rope. And just took a massive... I was like, whoa, that's Concussion City, possibly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but Zack Sabre Jr. won that match with double-finger Okada roll, which is, like, one of the best match finishers. <laughs> it is. It's almost as good as, like, <laughs> no, just the Out of Nowhere surprise roll-up, which is essentially what it is. Oh, it's so good. Um, I was really excited going into the Ring Conf LIJ match, but this seems to be... Uh, like, LIJ won, which I was kind of surprised about. I thought Ringkampf was going to go over there, personally. Um, but I think they're getting Valter and Thatcher, maybe, as well, because he's very technical, to just get more familiar with the New Japan guys uh, so they can be in that promotion more often and get built up. Yeah. That's my theory behind it. That's what it seemed to be in this match, anyways. With yeah. Walter and Evil, specifically. Yeah. Who are the current Repro Tag Champs? Uh, Saber and Minoru, I believe. Uh, yeah, you just reminded me of that. Because that's... Yeah. Re- yep, 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 yep. So I think that Friggin' Elijah will be going after those too soon. I think so as well. Hmm. I'd rather see Rinkomf go after him. I really want Walter against Minoru Suzuki. I want it for the title, but that may still happen. Uh, well, I guess we'll find even out. In a, even in a tag match, like, because then they'll have to go against each other one-on-one eventually in the match. That is true, but like as I said, I, I still just want to say it for the British Heavyweight my, my title. That would have been cool, but I guess they missed the... I think they missed the boat on that one, having... Um, well, let's get into that then. The, the weird against Minoru Suzuki. The weirdest thing about this match is like the fact that friggin' Suzuki dropped the title back to Ishii in his first defense. Yeah. Again, just not expecting that at all. It's crazy. Like I Very didn't strange. see it coming. It got spoiled for me, which kind of sucks. And like these two have always put on good matches, but like it just—it's really weird booking. It is, and they're set to face each other again at. New Japan Power Struggle for the Rev Pro title. Yeah, Ishii is probably going to defend. I imagine Ishii is going to win that match for sure. Um, so it went to 24 minutes. Uh, nice hard hitting, as you can imagine. Lots of just facial expressions, just good stuff from Minoru Suzuki uh, and Ishii just making every hit look like it's harder than the last. You know, he's just taking it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. I mean, it's an Ishii Minoru Suzuki match. They've had tons of matches in the past. Uh, to me, this was not really any different, but they always seem to get you 
caught up in the moment for who they are. They're they're that good at what they do, and they just the chemistry they have together is amazing. Indeed, indeed. So who's next up to who's next up to to, to challenge Ishii? You said Zach. Assuming that Ishii probably Zach. I yeah, I imagine it would be Zach, especially with his ma- uh, win over Goto. Um, yeah, that match felt like a number one contenders match, and that's what the um, commentators were putting over. Yeah, so that's assuming Ishii wins, and I, I, you would imagine that Zach would be the right choice, especially since Ishii was the one who took the title from Zach earlier this year. Mm-hmm. So, um, fair enough. I mean, it's fair play. Uh, I wouldn't mind seeing that match again. Uh, enough time has passed to see it again, basically. Didn't we see the um land same block of the J one? They were, yes. Who won that? But in terms of uh Zach did, I believe. Okay. Yeah. But in terms of like Rev Pro, they haven't had a match in quite some time. Yeah, no, I get I get you. Yeah. Uh so let's quickly go over Lucha Underground, getting into Lucha, Ultimate Lucha Quattro, which is coming up um, upon recording tomorrow and the following week. Yeah. So the end of season four is here. It is. And it's I crazy. think I think Lucha Underground, uh, this is their last season. Potentially. That's what it, that's what it looks like to me. Because their ratings are just in the toilet. <laughs> yeah, that make it very hard to watch though, so. Yeah, it's on, well, yeah, for an international audience for sure. Um, I could. I just simply bought it on Amazon Prime personally. I can't do that. So uh, uh, the the last three, I think we're three weeks behind on the podcast, but the last three, um, a lot of intergender strong booking here. Marty the Moth uh, defeated Mary Posa, aka cheerleader Melissa, in a in a good singles match, and then the following week, Reclusa, aka Chelsea Green, loses uh, to number one contender Pentagon. Uh, so crazy, just. Women being booked really strong in Lucha Underground. Just cool stuff. And there was some uh, continuing stories there to build up for the matches, uh, but the biggest story was definitely Jake Strong essentially taking over Lucha Underground as he defeated basically everybody in a seven-way elimination match, and he's the new Gift of the Gods champion. Jack Swagger. Jack Swagger, he's uh, kayfabe breaking. Like he kayfabe bro- broke like five out of the out of the six people in that match's ankles. <laughs> he sure did. We also got to see was it Arrowsaw to a flying massive crossbody off a forklift. He did. That was great to see. Freaking Drago <laughs> comes out with like a construction helmet on with holes and a freeze horns. <laughs> yeah. and, like the That's hive good. vest and everything it was pretty great. Uh, I loved it. Um, and then they just essentially established, like, there was a Fatal 4-Way where Pentagon won uh, to establish him as the number one contender, and then they just molded everything together for uh, the fo- basically the following matches at um, Ultima Lucha Quattro, which is uh, Taya versus Crazy Ricky Mundo with his, with his, like, possessed doll, or the doll that's possessing him, because he finally said he, he was the one that unleashed the monster at the wedding, so they're having a match. So good, we get a we get a cool intergender match um, tomorrow. Do, do you see that doll becoming a real girl? <laughs> I wouldn't put it, put it past Lucha Underground. <laughs> Who would you get to play the doll? <laughs> well, I sure shit would not bring back Sexy Star. 
Yeah, let's let's keep her away. They they basically killed her off and just saying that Reclusa stalked her and just put her out of her misery. <laughs> I was like, whoa, okay. Well, yeah. that takes care of that. <laughs> yeah, it's Chelsea Green is just going to be like a one and done sort of thing. It's like, all right, bye. Which is fair. She she fit her she fit her brief role, I think, well enough. She did. Yeah. Set the spider uh, to the There's going to be all the spider yeah. to the moth. Right. Um, there's going to be a three-way trios title elimination match featuring uh, uh, the Rabbit Tribe is finally here Killer Cro- with Killer Cross, aka the White Rabbit. So who else um, is in that? Friggin' Paul London and who? L Bunny. <laughs> L Bunny's in it. Uh, he's part of that team. You have um, Sammy Guevara joining Ivelisse and Exolicious, which is a very odd team. And then just, uh, just the champions, the the uh, the snake snake tribe, whatever they're called, reptile tribe. Mm. <clears throat> Do they have so. Luchasaurus? No, uh, I okay. kind of wished that if there was one thing I wish this season had more of, it would definitely had been more of the rabbit tribe with Killer Cross. There was definitely not enough Killer Cross in this because he had he has his own unique persona and you know the whole tiktok i'm coming for you thing and it just wasn't used much in this season at all i was very disappointed in that maybe they'll try to build up for season five can we just back it up for a sec is sammy callahan snake tribe he is isn't he yes is yes. he one of the trainers champs yes excellent okay uh the mac will face mil muertes in a death match so the mac is uh, going out for revenge against uh mil that should be fun johnny Johnny Mundo was given the uh, like the Infinity Gauntlet. I forget the name of it from Aerostar to yeah, so go it could up take against. on friggin' um, Matanza. Yeah, <laughs> it was pretty funny. He's uh, Aerostar and and um, uh, uh, what's his what's his face? The dragon dragon guy. Drago. Drago. Drago second junior. Not Drago. I, I, no, 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 Drago. Uh, I forget his name a lot. I don't know why. I think it's because there's a lot of, like, El Dragon and Dragon and Te- Azteca. And, but Drago, yeah, they were talking, and you see Johnny Mundo in the back going, that, this thing that Cage always had? Come on, no, take it. And then he he's like, whoa, I have the power, and his abs are has lightning going through him, and he's just kind of in the background going, oh, this is cool. How did they get it off <laughs> freaking Cage in the first place? Like, I get it's from the future and stuff, but, like, how did it happen? I don't remember, man. I don't think we've seen it. I don't think so either. Maybe we'll see it. Like, wouldn't it be funny if, like, in future episodes of, like, season five or six, we see, like, friggin' arrows are in that, take it, and then it just disappears? Yeah, maybe. It could happen. So, uh, and then there's Dragon Azteca against Dark Phoenix. So, that should be a good high flying match. Yeah, it should um, be. And then the May, the possibly, because I really do, Jay, I really do think this is the last Lucha Underground season. Party the Moth versus Pentagon in a Sierra Mado match. Zero Fear? Oh boy. The Zero Fear match. That's the one that fucked up Vampiro really bad. Mm hmm. Oh. Well, okay. I'm definitely excited for the season finale going into it. It should be a lot of fun. No doubt. It should be. Should be. Yeah. You excited for the season finale? I can't watch it. I keep up with it, but I can't watch it. Well, steal that shit then. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Hey, if it's not available in your country, how else are you supposed to watch it? It is on YouTube and Daily Motion. 
Well, there you go. That's how you watch it, then. I'm not All saying right. I do or don't. I'm just saying I can't legally okay. watch it. Okay. <laughs> All right, I'm going to play uh, Kazuninare. Excellent. Just for you, Jay. Yay! And that will lead us into New Japan. Could I talk to you if you don't talk to you New Japan. Not much to talk about as we're heading into uh, Power Struggle. Um, we got a couple days left on the road to Power Struggle to determine the uh, junior uh, tag, uh, the two the two finalists for the tag tag league. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just have some notes over. It's it hasn't been must watch New Japan wrestling to be honest. Uh, I'm not gonna lie to you. I haven't watched any of it. Uh, see, I've. I've kind of had it on, like, as uh, as background noise, to be honest. I've just been really um, busy with work. Yeah, I mean, things are things are getting in the way. I got my own my own stuff to do myself. Uh, but I, I have caught, like, the important stuff and any kind of tag matches that get my eye. Like, I've watched every main event. Um, those those are always... Those, are, those, those have been really good, but... So I have some notes over just the teams in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, because there's not much. There's only one real story that's kind of that you can kind of see. Um, I'm in a New Japan kind of talk group with a number of different uh, New Japan podcasts, and we're, we're we kind of kind of bounce ideas off each other a lot of the times. It's kind of fun. Uh, we're it's just a Twitter like DM group. Uh, right. But um, <laughs> you know, going into this, I thought I would like I would have liked the Time Splitters the most, and I do like them. That's um, Chris Staben and Kushida. <laughs> but actually, I have loved the team of ACH and Taguchi. Uh, Super sixty nine—that's their team name. Brilliant. They, they come out. They come out with their rugby uniforms and everything, promoting the the rugby World Cup that's going to happen in Japan. Brilliant. Hey, dude, I got some breaking news here. Um, okay. we're going to get Goto versus Taichi at Power Struggle. I thought Taichi. Well, that was one of the things we were going to get into because Taichi turned him down. Yeah, well, it's on the New Japan Power Struggle page. Oh, well, I guess they, I guess management said, no, you're fighting. Well, okay. Tachi's the greatest wrestler ever. Like, Goto even said, all right, you won't accept my challenge, but when Osprey comes back, uh, he'll take that, he's taking that title from you. Yeah, so maybe this is just to defend the title? I, like I said, Tachi's the greatest wrestler ever, so (laughs) Tachi should easily defend this. Oh, yeah, we didn't mention that from the Rev Pro, but that's where Osprey got injured. He just did, like, a backflip and just hit his ribs. Well, hopefully he's cleared by Wrestle Kingdom. It was very, uh, it was an odd injury. You know, it's always the simple things that injure you the most, it seems, in wrestling. Yeah, yeah. Because he necked himself real real bad uh, earlier this year, and he was that only was out off like the, a um, week. That was off the Spanish fly off the apron? Yeah. I think it was freaking dangerous. They teased yeah. that with the, um, the rematch or something from, uh, where were they, in California? It's like, no, don't do that again. So instead, they just like to do a sunset flip powerbomb, and that looked even more dangerous. Well, <clears throat> yeah, he just did a backflip and just landed kind of sideways. I mean, it was it, it didn't look really bad or anything, but then he just immediately held his ribs. And I was like, whoa, okay. Right. That's going to happen. Uh, all right. So ACH and Taguchi have just been hilarious. And they, they, they're actually also booked pretty strong to win as well. Um, so uh, ACH has developed this kind of bullet crossbody 
uh, he actually put out a tweet of some of his favorite things that fans are calling it. Uh, my favorite was the dol- they call it the dolphin dive. The dolphin <laughs> dive. That's pretty great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he does he does a, a slingshot crossbody to the outside, but he completely like straightens out his legs, puts it together, and then puts his hands behind his back. So he just looks like this torpedo kind of going over. <laughs> just slaps into the guy. It's really funny to look at. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. Yeah. And naturally, Taguchi just doing, uh, you know, the funky weapon and everything. But they, they just go off each other so well. Um, so, Soberano and Volador, uh, they're, they're showing off a lot of that kind of lucha stuff and what the CMLL guys can do when they actually have, like, a competent in-ring story to tell. Because, let's face it, Mexico, um, really good wrestlers, but bad in-ring storytelling. It's just, go out and do your flippy shit. You're saying the friggin' AAA doesn't do good storytelling? AAA does not do storytelling. Triple Mania, dude, was, like, the best show of the year. What do you want about some things make sense, uh, story-wise, with triple, with tri- uh, lucha libre, triple, triple a, but most of the time it's really bad stuff. Dude, I can't wait to watch Triple Mania next year when we get La Parker versus um Doctor Wagner Jr. I don't think that's happening. La <laughs> <laughs> Parker was very much not into that. So then, uh, so then, um, Rapunky 3K has eight points. Uh, the Time Splitters have six, along with. All the other teams except Soberano and Volador. Tom Slaughter's will look super strong uh, with Rapongi 3K. Mm-hmm. Uh, the interesting story that you, that kind of is a stretch is Shingo is he's cost he's essentially cost a couple matches with Bushi taking the pin, so mm-hmm. that's possible tension with Lij going forward. Um, but every time Shingo gets in the ring, he just proceeds to beat the shit out of anybody with forearms and hard-ass clotheslines. It looks really brutal. Well, Shingo looks like he ate... a junior. I was going to say, he <laughs> looks like he's eating a junior heavyweight, so... He's like double the size everyone he's going up against. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, I think it's... Yeah, it's Sho, who's the most jacked-looking junior, and Shingo just looks like he's twice as big as him still. Now, with this being said, would you have put him in the juniors, or would you have put him in the heavyweights? Um. Uh, it's really hard to say, because you really can go either way. He, Sh- Shingo is a really good wrestler. He can... I, I, You know what? It is his initial New Japan run. Maybe the maybe the junior was a good start. You know, they're, they'd be able to build him up, you know? Fair enough, and fair get enough. him matches with get him matches with Marty and possibly Osprey uh, down the line. Um, Kushida would be really good for sure. Uh, Put him up against Takahashi. I know that's like Lij versus Lij, but still could be fun. It could be fun, yeah. But um, the guys, the the champs, Desperado and Kanemaru, uh, they're they're in the lead with ten points. They, they ain't winning this tournament. I'm telling well, you right tied now. With, they're tied with Shingo. They're yeah, tied with Shingo. I'm, and, I'm telling you right Shingo. now, dude. That freaking um. Rapongi 3K is going over. I yeah, we we've we've talked about this for sure that R3K looks like they're gonna win the tournament. Yeah. Uh, I I personally want to see Shingo and Bushi win. Person. Yeah, Actually, I'm gonna look up what the last match of the tournament is. Give me a second. Yeah, that's probably gonna be <laughs> the deciding factor. Uh, All but the right. main. Okay, the, what do you got? Give me a second. It's loading. The last match of the tournament is. 
<laughs> um, Chris Sabin and Cushade of us is showing here. Um, what's the one before that? Uh, the one before this would be uh, Robbie Eagles and Ishimori versus AHC and not Taguchi, so that's not a match. Must be the night before. Um, give me a second, loading up another page. It would be uh, Eagles and Ishimori versus Sabarano and Volador. Uh, yeah, maybe Sobron and Volador will actually get more than one win, and that'll keep... I expect, yeah, I expect that'll keep Ishimori and Eagles out of the finals. Yeah, like I said from the start, it's either going to be LIJ versus R3K, or it's going to be Bullet Club versus R3K. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't see Ishimori and Eagles winning. Um, but the big story coming out of this, Jay, is... Out of the road to power struggle is uh, the mega powers of Japan shook hands. They have. Also, another big story is that friggin' Bullet Club Elite is no longer a thing. There's a new leader in BCOG. Now the Cutthroat Era. Dude, Switchblade. Well, that happened prior. I'm talking, like, for this particular road to power struggle. Have you guys... Tanahashi and Okada have temporarily joined forces to take go... on Bullet Club. Was a Beretta sitting there screaming, we don't need him? <laughs> oh, it was a Chucky T. It was one of them. It was one of them. It was one of them, but they shook hands anyways, and it was immediately reminiscent of Hogan Savage when they shook hands and joined powers. The, it was. The, the, excuse me? I said it was. Yeah, it was. <clears throat> uh, so, New Japan has done an excellent job building up Bullet Club again uh, with the full intention just in case any of the elite... Because that's what's essentially happening here, is all the people from the elite, their contracts are going up. Uh, they they're now officially like, as far as I'm concerned, they're not Bullet Club anymore. They are just the elite. They're their own faction now, called the elite. They are not Bullet Club. Uh huh. So you have all the New Japan guys as Bullet Club, and they, they you know they have all of the titles. They have the tag, the uh, the tr- the tr- their trios title. Never. Um, Jay White is the rising star. Uh, and they've just put a beatdown on Okada so bad with the betrayal of Gato that um, Tanahashi finally, I guess, had enough, and he's like, let's join, and Okada, like, accepted. So, uh, yeah, good on New Japan for their long-term storytelling. You, I mean, we kind of saw it coming, and this is just that payoff that New Japan, likes, just, just has. Mm-hmm. Subject of long-term storytelling here, um, who do you see taking the IC title off of Jericho? Like, is it going to happen at Wrestle Kingdom or Dominion? Well, we did discuss that on the previous cast. I wasn't so. here for that, so I'm curious. Yeah. So definitely go back and listen to episode 15. Damn it. <laughs> did you just discuss the whole JY thing last time? Yes. Damn it. Yep, everything was in episode 15, so definitely go back and listen to that one. Okie dokie. Alrighty. Are you are you a fan of the Mega Powers of Japan? I'm a fan of the Mega Powers of Japan. They are both fantastic at ring workers, and they are both over as hell. I agree. All right. Nice and simple for New Japan as we head into Power Struggle. Indeed. Good stuff. Well, let's get into WWE Evolution, Jay. We got, uh, we got some stuff to talk about there. As I play 
this drop. Hmm, which one am I going to play? I'll play, uh... Play Line in the Sand, Evolution is a Mystery. I don't have that. Damn it, you should do it for serious. Alrighty. Evolution. WWE's historic first ever historical uh, all women's historical pay per view. History making of his history. <laughs> Indeed. So much history. My god. I had to turn commentary like way down. Basically on mute. Yeah, you were saying that yesterday. I had to. Right, so if you want to hear more initial thoughts in ranting and raving, um, definitely go listen to the SmackDown podcast. Indeed. Jay had me on as a guest. I did. Uh, I did. And there's a reason why. Uh, I've been asked this on Twitter, uh, God, over ten times by fans in recent weeks, on why this podcast doesn't do uh, reaction podcast episodes. So, like, you put out the episode right at the end of the pay-per-view or the next day. Right? Mm-hmm. It's because... And I've said this before, I like collecting my thoughts, I like seeing Fallout, you know, to make sure that the booking makes sense to any, everything, and and to cool off for things that kind of make you angry as a wrestling fan, and to kind of look at it from different perspectives. Now, I'm going to butt in here and say, we don't get to do that because our recording day is pay-per-view day. <laughs> so, um, we kind of just go in there and any like, day you vent. want, Jay. You can do you can do whatever you want. You say that, but we've only got like really two days that we can record, and once a fortnight I work one of those two days. So mm. Sunday, your time is like the only real time that we get a chance. Right. So uh, I do want to mention uh, first of all, I have a top five matches from this year's May Young Classic, not including the finals because that was at Evolution. So just right quick, humor me. Five Satamora versus Kelly from round one, Killer Kelly. Four Mia Yim versus Tony Storm. Three Satamora versus Mercedes Martinez. Two Io Shirai versus Rhea Ripley. Um, considering Rhea Ripley was told twenty minutes that she was going out for that match prior, that ended up being really good. And Shirai is that good of a wrestler. And number one, uh, Satamora versus Tony Storm. I didn't like the ending because there was no reversal or counter or anything. It just she just Tony Storm just hits her finisher and it was over. But everything up to that point was pretty much gold. So, when you say that Ripley found out 20 minutes beforehand, is that because the um, brain is not working here because Nixon I'm tired? Nixon uh, blew out her knee. Yeah, she was supposed to, so Nixon was supposed to go overwatch you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Nixon Newell supposedly was supposed to win the whole tournament. Wow. I thought from the start yeah. it was definitely going to be A.O. or Tony. So, That's A.O. wasn't even supposed to be in the finals, was she? That's interesting. No, she wasn't. That's it really was interesting. Be, it was supposed to be Tony Storm against... Uh, Nixon Newell, a.k.a. Tegan Knox, That's what her new name is. Uh, and when you think about it, that really makes sense because of the new NXT UK. Have two NXT UK people in the finals. I find that really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, they're really high on her. And um, it makes sense. So, I found everything else in the tournament either okay at best, or quite underwhelming, or, yep, it's a rookie. <laughs> <laughs> As far as Blanchard wasn't there was, here. There was a lot of four to five minute matches. I was going to say Blanchard should have been here, but like, I get why she wasn't. No. No, no, no. 
So, but there was a lot more. I, I found this tournament in particular to have more, uh, b- better talent overall. I would say compared to the first one. Hmm. But I think I like the matches. You know, outside if it wasn't for Mako Satomura in this particular May Young Classic, I don't think this would have been as good as the first one. Personally, Yo, the first one was really good. It was really good. I think the talent the talent in this one was better. I just think the matchups weren't better. Yeah, I completely agree. I really like the finals from the first one as well. Yeah, I mean, Shane Baszler's still very green. That was my main issue. Former heavy metalweight metalweight champion. (laughs) Alright, so on to Evolution. It's a mystery. I gotta get the card up here that I made. Well, the opening match, dude, was freaking Leto, who cannot run, and um, Trish Stratus versus, you know, supposed to be Alexa Bliss, but apparently she got post-concussion syndrome or a concussion. So yeah, it was yeah. Alicia Fox and Mickey James. And the highlights of this match was definitely Mickey and Trish. Yep. And I do have the match times on all this because I found that the most interesting off the card as well, because I was curious what they'd give more time over another, and it was very obvious. Um, Trish and Mickey, they need to have, like, we saw Trish and Lita on Raw again in a makeshift 10-woman tag. And Trish can still not run. Or bend. Lita. Lita. Sorry, yeah, Lita. Like, did you notice, I don't know if you saw it, but like when they were doing the Bailey entrance thing, like, Lita can't bend over? No, Lita's body just is broken. At this point. And I, it's her knees, man. It's her knees. Mm. Her knees are done. Because if you look, if you look at, um, the, like, when Trish bent over in this match to do the, uh, the poetry in motion, you know, kind of the, the Matt Hardy position, and then Lita does the Jeff Hardy stuff. Yeah, she just, like, run up and, like, to... splat. She doesn't jump at all. She has no jumping ability. Zero. She can't run and... either, dude. It's all power walking. She, it's it's really sad to see, to be honest. I, she did not look good in this match. No, um, she did not. Luckily, they were able to kind of work around it, where she was out of the match most of the time. She's basically a moonsault, and that's it. That's all she's got in her. And even that, like, scares me a lot of the times. It's because she doesn't get any height off it, and it looks like she's going to break a neck. Yeah. Well, it's because her knees are done. Yep. I, like, I saw the highlight from that 10-woman tag, and when I saw that, that poetry in motion again... Where she just she just steps on Trisha's back and then just steps off and does a clothesline. That's hmm. as much as she can do. Uh, so, in terms of the match quality, I think this was. I mean, the match was fine. I guess it was mostly just Mickey and Trish. Mickey James was the MVP in this match. She made Trish look like a thousand dollars because Trish, um, her body's kept up over the years. Uh, her style wasn't as ruthless as Lita's, to be fair. And, um, you know, Trish had her, like, month or so of training to get back into kind of the ring shape and run the ropes kind of deal, but Mickey was definitely the one that just ran everything. Yeah, yeah, she was the connection between both past and present. Yeah, and then Alicia Fox was a total mess. Like, there was one spot in particular where she <laughs> didn't break up the pin in time. She does that a lot. Alicia she Fox was Alicia she... Fox. Let's move on. Yeah. All right. So the match went 10-46. Uh, it, was, it was an opener. Got the got the, the big pop. You know, people were really behind. Um, 
And then the next match was the Mae Young Classic Final. Io Shirai against Tony Storm. What was it? I thought we had a battle royale. Oh, no, no, no. It was the battle royal. It was the battle no, royal. No, Jax wins. That's all you really need to know. Yeah, a lot of people seem to like it. I mean, to me, it was just another battle royal. Uh, I The eliminations are what bothered me the most. And no one really got any spots in. What about you that, know, like, nine-woman suplex? That was a spot. It sure was. I mean, it was it was fine. Um, but a lot of the eliminations were just... They were just tossed out of the ring. Or if they were on the apron, they took a forearm to the face, and they'd fall out. It, was, yep. it seemed like it was just minimal effort. The match went 16 minutes, which I think was too long. 30 minutes uh, with entrances. Yeah, it was way long. I'm like, just going to throw this entrance. out there, and this is just me throwing something out there. I know it's kind of generic and like probably inappropriate, all things considered, but like play them down to the friggin' pay-per-views theme, get everyone in the ring all at once, and then you've got more time for the Mayon Classic or for one of the other matches that could have used it. Uh, I don't know. I, I mean, I didn't mind the entrances. They went pretty quick, cons- all con- all considering, and it, and it really got to highlight all the women that have gone through WWE over the years. Like I said, I get why they did it, but like they could have saved so much time. Historical moments, because it was it was it was an important event for WWE. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just saying like they yeah. could have saved time. They could have saved time. They could have. They could have. Well, there's a, two matches in particular that should have been half. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that's both where of those. the extra time where that's where the extra time would have been. Um, so Nia Jax just simply tosses out Ember Moon uh, to win. So Nia Jax has a future match against Ronda Rousey yet Which again. She said on Raw today was going to be after Survivor Series, so I guess that's going to be a TLC. Also, dude, friggin' Survivor Series: Becky versus Ronda. It's going to happen, apparently. It is. It is. Today was a good day for Twitter know. with freaking Becky disrespecting Ronda. It was pretty great. <laughs> that seemed to be the highlight of Raw. I saw the results and what a waste of time that show was. But um, Yeah, I was actually excited I for it see... after last week's episode, but yeah, that was a mistake. I'm kind of disgusted, though, that it was Crown Jewel like all night, and coming off of Evolution, it was pretty much absent for the entire show. Yep, I'm not watching Grand Jewel, dude. I've got a New Japan show to watch. Yeah, exactly. We got New Japan to watch. We got something better. Uh, oh, and for those wondering, if you uh, it, uh, Pro Revolution Eve in the UK, the all women's promotion there, which I highly recommend, um, if you're into women's wrestling, the uh, they are having a free show the same time Crown Jewel is going on. So there's your alternative. Bang. I have a question. Do they have English commentary? Yes, it is out of the UK, Jay. I'm in. They speak English. I'm in. <laughs> so um, that is my recommendation there. And it seems Nia Jax and Tamina are going to be in a program. Uh, if it's anything like I picture in my head, that match is going to be a travesty. You're not telling me that you're a fan of Tamina. I'm not a fan of either. Yeah, no, neither am I. They can both just leave yeah. as far as I'm concerned. There, there was a highlight of their little two-minute match they had on Raw like a couple weeks ago where they met, and that, that was awesome. That was a fatal four-way, dude, and friggin' Ember Moon won that. Like, they built up Ember for the last two, three weeks on Raw, um, and friggin' she gets fed denial. Because yep. all women shapes are pretty. Yep, yep. 
So, uh, Nia wins. Uh, moving on. Io Shirai versus Tony Storm. This is uh, one of those matches I, that could have used more time. It was the shortest match on the card. It was basically exactly 10 minutes. And if you told me before the pay-per-view that the Battle Royal was going to be almost twice as long as the Io Shirai-Tony Storm match, I go, no, you said that backwards. <laughs> yep. So, uh, for a 10-minute match, this was really good, but it was only 10 minutes. Okay. Now, I know we discussed this yesterday, because for the sake of your podcast, um, mm-hmm. if Triple H had booked this in the NXT match, do you think that would have been better? If Triple H was behind the booking, this would have been probably the match of the night. Now, also, with this being said, we'll get to the NXT thing in a minute, but do you think that he wanted um, Baszler to have lackeys? Not yet. Okay. So it was a friggin' Vince thing. I think reckon? that would have been saved for another takeover. day. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So well, not, a, not even at TakeOver. I, I, I would have seen that at NXT taping or something. So you think it's a Vince thing then? Oh, yeah. Vince was 100% behind this. Um, this pay-per-view, an article came out that Vince was running Gorilla through the whole show. And he was changing shit on the spot and adding stuff to the show and what was happening. And you could definitely smell it throughout the entire pay-per-view. You know, we didn't get Stephanie McMahon's historical history-making, history-making announcement. Uh, nope. Didn't get anything. And I prefer to keep that keep it that way. Fair <laughs> enough. I'm sorry for, like, stuttering here. I'm a little bit tired. <clears throat> so, Io Shirai and Tony Storm just tore the house down. Io Shirai did a triangle moonsault to the outside, off the top turnbuckle, not the middle one that you usually see, like Omega and Ibushi do in New Japan. Shirai just... She proved to me that she's the best women's wrestler on the planet in this match, and Tony Storm um, can do that strong style and work with anybody because she's a from the wrestling standpoint. Tony Storm is is great. She can't miss. She's gonna take that title off of Rhea Ripley oh, eventually. For sure. for sure. If Tony Storm wasn't injured when that UK thing was going on, I think she would have won. Yeah, I'm surprised. So the whole division's they... going to be built around her. It is, it is. I'm surprised they didn't put it on, like, Dakota Kai or something. Like, I get why they didn't, because she's technically not a UK talent. Well, she is, but well, she... Well, she is now. Yeah, she is, but she isn't. Um, but, like, like you said, if Tony wasn't injured, she probably would be champion right now. There's a lot of Aussies and Kiwis in uh, NXT UK. You notice that? I have, <laughs> but with this being said, <laughs> speaking as an Australian, if we say something from New Zealand that we like, we claim it for our own. <laughs> uh, but good but good on Io Shirai and Tony Storm what they were able to do in 10 minutes was fantastic it speaks volumes to them as wrestlers it was devastating to me as a fan that it was the shortest match on the card and I think that's unacceptable considering mm-hmm. considering the fact that it was the Mae Young Classics finals this was built up for what 8 weeks and then you he- like I heard commentary in this moment just go and Tony Storm wins. And then that was it. That was it. Yep. There was this whole celebration and everything, and commentary like couldn't have given less of a shit about it, it seemed. Yep. And I, I forget how many times I heard Michael Cole say, Tony Storm's a star in the making. She's a rising star, star in the making. I was like, Jesus fucking But dude, we, we need to know up. that Tony's a rising star. You don't understand. I didn't know that before Michael Cole told me. I really hated Michael Cole. We all hate Michael Cole. It's to be acceptable. It, yeah. And he was fine during the Mae Young Classic. 
Yeah, and then he's got Vince in his ear here, doesn't he? Yeah, he sure does. So, all right. Um, I'm just going to go down the rest here, what I got listed for the sake. I don't care about the order. NXT Women's Championship, Kyrie Sane defending against Shayna Baszler. It's match the was fine until meeting. the ending. The, the match went 10 minutes of... It was great. I really liked it. Baszler has cut... You know, she's still green in the ring, but she's so good at what she what she's able to do and being a heel. She's very good at that. She's got that down pat. With the with the with the limb work and everything, and then we get to the last couple minutes. <laughs> what happened, Jay? Uh, Jay, what? What happened? Well, um, freaking Kyrie decides to you know backdrop Shayna into the audience, which just happens to be NXT people, and once you know yeah. it, it happened to be. Her freaking MMA buddies who then proceed to get involved in the match because women can't do it by themselves, pal. Yeah, I believe this is 100% a Vince move. I 100% agree, and it was weird, and I didn't like it. No, there was, was, what, four instances where the ref... Was blatantly blatantly looking at the interference. ...sees the person coming, sees the interference happening, and then turns away. Yeah. So the ref irritated me there. Um, Jasmine Duke and what? What's the other one? Maria uh, Chavi. Chavi or whatever her name Something is. Something like that. Uh, so this was their introduction, essentially. It was. And it happens at a major pay per view. So here's where I have an issue with this, and I mentioned this on your cast, Jay, where. This is Evolution, the first ever women's pay-per-view. You have mm-hmm. the NXT title being shown here. Mm-hmm. Uh, to have this interference in a in a match like this, at a pay-per-view like this, I think really hinders and hurts not just the match, but just the pay-per-view a little bit more than what it should have been. I think it's insulting. And this is not... If you were going to introduce them at the pay-per-view... Do it post-match. Whether mm-hmm. Baszler wins or not isn't what I'm upset about. I'm, I'm upset with how it went down. Yep. I think I think you could have had, uh, you know, Baszler do something heel on her own, because that's her character, right? Mm-hmm. That gets Sane pissed off, and then you have Sane beat down post-match with her friends, because you see Sane's going to get revenge or something because Baszler did the heel tactic thing, and then she that's when you have the people jump her, or you have Sane do an elbow drop through a table to the outside and miss. You know, that's her own fault. Anything. Uh-huh. There are di- so many different ways. This was just, to me, atypical heel booking with cronies. Indeed. And I think it ruins the Baszler character. Uh, what they've what they've built up as her being this kind of badass individual, and now she just looks like she can't do it. She can't do it without help. Good sir, you took the words yes. right out of my mouth. Yeah. Um, before all that happened, I really enjoyed the match, though. Yeah, so did I. Like I said, it was fine. It was pretty. Like it was damn good. And then the ending happens, and it just ruins everything. It's why companies don't book this kind of crap anymore. 
Yeah, exactly. You just don't see it on, on major pay-per-view. You see it with things being led up to the pay-per-view. Right? Yep. But you don't see it at the major event. It pisses too many people off. Case it in hurts point. the characters. <laughs> yeah, it pisses me off, too. Um, in the long run, if I'm to look at this from, you know, a story perspective, okay, you introduced two new characters, f- fantastic stuff, okay? Uh, you've established kind of that four MMA women group, minus Ronda, great. Uh, you essentially have a women's faction, also great. That's all. That's great. I like that. I really like how now we have a lot established. If this leads to interferences many times over, which I totally see happening, especially with this booking, that's why I get. That's why I got mad because that's what it's going to lead to. If it's the one-time thing, then you know because I slept on this and slept on my thoughts, I think I can live with it. If it's a one-time thing. Okay, but what if we get an Asian faction? To go up against the MMA faction. They'll probably get jobbed out to the MMA faction. Because, dude, you've got a half Asian in um, the person who used to be Jade. I've forgotten her name. In NXT. Mia Yim. That's the one. She's Blasian. And then you've got Air, And you've got Kyrie. Boom. 3v3. <clears throat> yeah. I don't see, I don't see the, uh, the people who can actually wrestle go over yeah no neither do i also don't see that happening but um wwe has this like slight hard on right now with the mma people slight hard on it's been going on for years Hmm. so i the the future to me i'm being very i know I'm, i'm being overly negative on this but it is it is my feelings over it in my opinion naturally so dude it's the only reason the freaking sony deville still got a job well, poor her. Yep, poor her indeed. I, on, she needs a new gimmick. She does. Um, on to the match of the night. No, on to the six-woman tag match. Oh yeah, that was a thing. I completely forgot about that. Thanks, Bailey and Natalia versus the Riot Squad in their thousandth combo match. Uh, At least they tried something different here with near falls. They did. I think the match just kept going though. It was over thirteen minutes. Uh. Bailey, I will say this. Bailey knocked this out of the park, and Ruby Riot uh, were like the Riot Squad definitely molds so well together at this point. I mean, they've had a thousand matches together, right? They the chemistry works, and then Bailey, uh, since she's had a thousand matches against the Riot Squad, seemingly, um, they they put it all on the line. Banks, you could tell she put a lot of pressure on herself in the match. And tried to overdo certain things. She looked lost at times because she wanted to just do everything. She was, she was visibly like emotional during this whole event, and rightfully so. You know, there's always going to be you know a few people that you know emotions get the better of them. But hey, I I I'm still irked that you know this wasn't like a fatal four way or triple threat number one contender match or something where it was Banks Bailey Natalia against Ruby Riot. Um, Match was fine. It was much better than I was expecting, but it did go on way too long. Banks yeah. won via a frog splash on the Morgan. So she did. She did. Yeah. It's always different. Like I, I appreciate seeing people win without their like using their finishes, which we'll get to with the WCW uncensored thing too. But um, 
look, as I said, the match was fine. We've seen it before. Like, if we hadn't seen it before, it probably would have been better. They tried different things with the near falls and crap. Um, but I've just seen this thing way too many times in a row. Yeah. I was kind of hoping for something to happen post-match, but no. there was, The only thing story-wise that happened in the night was, for a continuing story anyways, was the uh, NXT women's title match. What do you mean something did happen post-match? Sasha cried. Sasha did cry. She was very emotional. It meant a lot to her. Freaking rad cold thought. Yeah. So, um, match of the night here coming up. Well, SmackDown women's title. I reckon we should lay this to last and get on to the pathetic show that was Ronda versus Nikki. No, 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 because the Ronda Nikki thing, uh, that that that's quick. That's quick. Okie dokie. Um, Becky won this match like four or five times. <laughs> yeah, uh, she did. Um, this was match of the night, last woman standing match. This was blood feud written all over it. It went almost twenty nine minutes. Holy shit! Did. And it didn't feel like it was 29 minutes. It was fantastic. It was better than the freaking Shinsuke AJ one from earlier this year. No, it, it just, it flew by. It, it's, I I like this on the level of Ciampa Gargano's last last man standing match. Mm, I, yeah. even, I even like the way this ended more, personally. Yeah, that freaking ending though could have gone so wrong. Oh, uh, but they executed it well. They did. They did. I'm just saying, if yeah. they stuffed it up, it could have went very badly. So, instead of, like, breaking down the match, um, I, I want to mention how over Becky is through the fans. She's even posting out on Twitter. You know, uh, I was... She she said something along the line of, I was about... I was, I was prepared to go into this alone, but the fans, you followed me. Kind of hmm. deal. Well, dude, according so, to Michael Cole, she's got a cult following. Oh my god, I heard that. Oh. Are you part of that cult? I, I may or may not be part of that cult. Yeah, the whole arena is a cult following. Like, F off. <laughs> it's great. It's fantastic. <laughs> so, it's so, like, they even in the promo packages were piping in booze uh, to, to, to Lynch's maneuvers. And we all know that everybody was cheering. Everybody. They're piping in. They're piping in booze to this point. So WWE, uh, specifically McMahon, still hasn't accepted the fact that Lynch is just this larger-than-life character. To me, to me, Jay, she is the best wrestler and character in the entire WWE right now. Yeah, no, I can agree with that. Becky's fantastic. Becky like, is fantastic. And she has the perfect antagonist. Yes, antagonist. Even though they're booking her like a pure babyface, Charlotte Flair. Uh, she is the she is the antagonist. She's she's that like handpicked person um, trying to overcome you know what's thrown thrown over her. And I, I you know I'll be honest, Charlotte Flair. I think this was her best match of her career. To be honest. Um. Yeah, probably. She just got into this mode, you know? She, like, flipped... Something flipped a switch in her, and she was able to execute a character more than just her doing going out and doing moves. Tell you what she did she flip. Had, she flipped a table. 
Yeah, there was a table. There was a table spot where it was too close to the turnbuckle, and you know, as it was happening, I go, I wonder if that's gonna break or she's gonna miss. And it was uh, both. It didn't. It didn't break and missed. Um, luckily, she didn't just immediately go up and do the same spot again. Uh, she did do a flip instead, which was fine. The Tanahashi kind of sent on, <laughs> flipping sent on. <laughs> it was a very bad looking swanton. But with that being said, you even though she did different moves, still kind of repeating the same spot. Not a fan. No, it it generally doesn't look good because then you know the wrestler messed up. But at least she did a different move. Uh, I would have rather, you know, whenever you see things like that, I would rather they kind of pull an auto audible and just do that spot later. Yeah, for sure. Try it again later. For sure. Uh, but yeah, like both characters just kind of flipped a switch. Both wrestlers and looked looked excellent. Uh, Becky Lynch getting really scared when Charlotte kind of rose from the cha- from the pile of chairs that were on. Uh, you know, may, like Becky Lynch sold Charlotte as "What the hell are you doing up?" No, 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 I did. You know, <laughs> don't hurt me. Kind retreat, of thing. retreat, <laughs> retreat, retreat. She's crazy. <laughs> Bitch is gonna you know, kill me. Yeah, bitch is gonna kill me. Uh, she should be down. I think the ladder, the leg drop uh, off the ladder through the announce table should have ended the match. Personally, I but agree one hundred percent. It did. It did lead to that kind of "don't kill me" moment, and then the power bomb to the outside through the table to end it. Yeah. Um, ref botching counts aside, you know. So I got a question for you. Sure. How many belts do they have? I, I, I get it, like, the championship, like, the women's championship, blah, 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 but, like, how many copies of that belt do you think they have? You mean just the standard title with the W inside? Yeah, yeah, no, 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 like, I mean, like, so, with Becky, she dropped the title on concrete, which could have caused damage, like, how much, like, how many belts do you think they have of the same title? Is it just the one, or do they have a couple? I imagine they have a couple. They have a backup, always, just in case, like, their luggage gets lost or something, I, I assume. Yeah, no, I, I thought so, because, like, there was a couple of yeah. couple of times tonight where it's like, hmm. <clears throat> so, um, two really good women's matches. Uh, if the Io Shirai-Tony Storm match went longer, uh, I, they were clearly handcuffed for time. Yeah, so it was the NXT one but, to an extent. Uh, and then you go on to the main event. Uh, Ronda Rousey against Nikki Bella. Um, Three-week build, turn two promos. Not much here. Uh, Nikki kind of trying to embrace the diva, but not really doing this Bella Lucian thing. Uh, the match went, I have it written down here, Fourteen over 14 minutes. It felt like it was more. It was too long, first of all. It definitely dragged. It did. Uh, lots and lots of Brie Bella interference. Uh, basically, uh, Rad. Basically, Jay, this match was as bad as I expected, and nothing more. Yeah. Um, it friggin' Ronda won, which was exactly what I thought was gonna happen. Nikki got dropped on her neck, which looked bad. Brie gets involved, Certainly. and that's pretty much the match. Yeah, Nikki... A, a um, lot of judo throws. A lot of judo throws. So, I, you know, pacing-wise, with... This match could have been five minutes with the same, like, executions of everything, and it would have been 
I think, a lot better. Because this could have been a squash match. It probably would have been even better than well, that. Well, okay. So here's here's my... I thought about this. So... Ronda Rousey is very important for WWE's outlook on the women's division. Without Ronda Rousey, I don't think this pay-per-view would have happened. I can agree with that, but I don't want to agree with that, if that makes sense. Yeah, you, you would wish that a lot of the fans and staff involved in in WWE would be behind the women more than they are without Ronda for sure. Um, yep. That that being said, Ronda Rousey's ticket seller, she's a draw. That's very important. You have your draw in the main event. Fine. I get that you can't just book a squash match every time. You have to start somewhere. Uh I think you could definitely lead up to it better than having Ronda Rousey in a 14-minute match against Nikki Bella. Nikki, who's... She... She has a character that takes her through matches. And that's it. She has her her um, her kick off the middle rope, which she missed in this match, by the way. I she didn't totally realize. Missed. Yeah. And then she has her finisher, the Rack Attack 2.0, the TKO. The TK. And that's it. She has zero technical ability. She doesn't do any limb work at all. Um, all she did was push Ronda into posts and shit all match. That was it. Well, on the plus side, she didn't try to kill like Ronda like her sister would have. No. No, no, no. There was none of that. So, I appreciate that, you know, we're not just getting squash match after squash match. I just don't think they're going about it the right way. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with Becky coming up, like with the worker that can actually work. I'm very interested in how that match is going to go down. So am I. If it's a squash match, the internet will explode. (laughs) Yeah, like it's obvious that Ronda's going over, but the question is how? I actually see the match going into a DQ finish. You do? Mm -hmm. Actually, yeah, now that I'm thinking about it, Becky could get herself DQ'd. I could see that happening. Uh, the man doesn't get... Be, yeah. That would be bad. Um, I also see Nikki Bella uh, interfering. Yeah, that, that's a possibility too, but I think the Bellas are done at this point. They weren't on Raw, were they? Uh, n- no, but they had like a post-match interview at Evolution, and they're like, this is far from over. I was like, oh. Gross. Not a fan. Yeah. But even with... um. Even with the Rousey Bella main event, this pay per view was probably outside of the Royal Rumble. Uh, Jay, this was probably my favorite WWE pay per view of the year. That was good. I would watch another Revolution show if they did another Roman's pay per view. I I enjoyed it for the most part. A thousand percent. As long as they're going to, uh, well, first of all, they should have an annual show anyways. But as long as they're going to Saudi Arabia, whenever they go to Arabia, they have to have an, a women's pay-per-view. I think it's required. Yeah, we discussed this last night. Like, um, between Money in the Bank and SummerSlam is a good spot. Now's a good spot. Um, there's a couple of places throughout the year they could do it. And then especially considering that the build to this was essentially awful. nothing. And the promotion was awful. 
for it to be this successful and good to see, uh, that's kudos to the women. A thousand percent. With this being said, though, and just throwing this out there, every time this happens, do you want to see the NXT titles on here? Yes. Do you want Trips to book them, or do you not care if Vince books them? Um, keep Vince out of it. Vince, these are Triple H's toys. Go play with your own. <laughs> so, alrighty. Uh, Evolution, raging success of a pay-per-view despite WWE's best efforts. And, uh... Just to make it clear, this podcast will not be covering Crown Jewel. Neither will smack it down. I'll report on the results of the Universal title match, but I'm probably not going to watch it. I'm not even going to do that. Yeah, well, <laughs> new champion, dude. Kind of needs to be said. I don't care about that title. Yeah, it's a fruit roll-up, <laughs> but like like I said, kind of needs to be spoken about. Hmm. Well, you cover WWE more than we do here. So. Well, that's going to be changing in a couple of weeks, but uh-huh. yeah. Alrighty, well, let's get on to WCW Uncensored 1998, Jay's first ever WCW pay-per-view. So I'm excited to hear your thoughts, and that will finish out the cast. So let me play a drop here. And, uh, Is it obvious that I'm tired? Uh, no. Okay. Just You just seem quite relaxed. I'm probably going to fall asleep here soon. Just a heads up. <laughs> I did message you on Discord. You didn't respond. Censored. 1998. Yeah. We're going way back. 20 years ago, roughly. Yeah. Yeah, indeed. So, Jay, you have the agenda in front of you, I hope. I do. Why don't, uh, since this is your first ever WCW pay-per-view, I have all the matches listed. Take us through it. So, the opening match after the video package, and we got introduced to our commentators, so forth and so on, was Eddie Guerrero with Chavo Guerrero Jr. versus Booker T for the WCW television title. The match was good. Um, I'm trying to find my notes. I Give me a second here. Notes, notes, notes. Notes, 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 notes. Okay, um... First of all, dude, Eddie makes Chavo open the rope, and then he proceeds to jump into the ring, which is good heel work. <laughs> it was good stuff, yeah. And um, <laughs> I didn't really write anything else down, like besides the fact that Booker won with a missile drop kick instead of the scissors kick. Yeah, simpler times indeed, right? Indeed. Like, I was really enthralled in this match. It was really good. Booker and Eddie, I don't think I've ever put on a bad match against each other. No. Uh, definitely uh, two guys that are really good, and um, Booker T hadn't established the scissor kick as a finisher. He was kind of switching between a lot of moves, ending matches, between the Harlem Hangover, which is the flipping leg drop from the top rope. Yeah, that thing's freaking dangerous. To... Yeah, he um, he concussed Rick Martel pretty pretty hard in the pre- previous pay-per-view. Uh, that was like a move that I used to do as a kid um, on a trampoline, and man, that, that thing, it's not great. That was my finisher. Um, <laughs> it, it's not great. <laughs> That and the swanton, yeah. dude. That and the swanton. You can just imagine, like, me as a kid, like, fucking under people. <coughs> dude, like, we used to compete for freaking plastic titles, too, like the old WWE replica ones. Like, the world title for us was the IC title, and the mid-card title was the US. 
Yeah. It's pretty great. Pretty great. <laughs> I only ever lost the, my, my title once, so I threw the match on purpose. <laughs> oh, and I also had an ankle ankle lock, because like, you can just bend someone's ankle on it, freaking hurts. It does hurt. Does hurt. It does hurt. Yeah. Does hurt. But yeah, like I said, um, your, who, who, who did you like more in this match, Eddie or Booker T? Dude, I've always been a big fan of Eddie. Always been a big fan he, of Eddie. Um, he had a lot of character even going back to WCW. It's good did. to see. He did. And Chavo, like I said, um, Booker T retains with the Mr. Dropkick, and Chavo's got a little grin on his face. I'm tipping there was something leading into this, something about a match where the other person has to obey the other person or some crap. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. You got it. Cool. Next up, we had Conan versus Hoovy Juice. Dude. Yes. Hooven to Carrera. I love that guy. <laughs> so good. Um, dude, Hoovy hits a nice poetry motion on the outside. Off a chair, did you see that? It was nice. I did see that. It was good. Um, freaking, where am I here? Uh, Springboard dropkick from Hoovy as well. Uh, Conan, what was that move that he did where, like, he was weird looking? Like, sits on his neck after dropping him. Uh, are you talking about a submission move? Yeah, he, like, had him... I, I don't know how to explain it. It was weird. It was, like, in the corner. Then, like, he kind of dropped him and kind of fell down and kind of crushed his neck. Oh, so it's supposed to be... Uh, like a Mexican surfboard kind of seesaw maneuver. And I think the idea was Juventud wanted to try and roll him up, but Conan usually drops him. So you mix those two together, and Juvie landed horribly on his neck. Crunch. It didn't look great. Also, they mentioned not. during this as well, like that Juvie got unmasked from Jericho or something? Yes. Was that Yeah, the- that was at the previous previous pay-per-view. Right, right. That would explain that. Um, Hoovy does a nice backflipping counter out of a spider suplex off the top rope, and then Hoovy wins with a roll-up after some other shenanigans and stuff, In then post-match assault, because that's what WCW is good at. Well, especially Conan, for sure. Yeah. Part of the NWO. Yeah. yeah. I thought this was a good 10-minute match. I thought I it was really good, uh, too. Conan... Like, I didn't take as many notes here, either, because I was just really enjoying it. Yeah, Hoovy bumped like a madman in this. Uh, Conan really just kind of threw him around. Conan has such a large moveset, uh, something uh, which is a major complaint of mine in, in just watching WWE since the last, since like 2000, I want to say seven. It's like four moves and then that's it per guy. <laughs> uh, yeah. Conan just threw out so many moves. I'm like, one, two, five, ten, fifteen. <laughs> that was heaps. That was heaps. Um, so they got a lot of work in in ten minutes. This was this was um, much like the Io Shirai Tony Storm match. A lot of people say quality over quantity. This was quantity with quality in a short period of time with what they were allowed. Yeah, for sure. Kind of I lost art. It, it was it was really good, really good. Ah, next up we had Dean Malenko, the Iceman, versus Jericho. Once again, didn't take many notes. <laughs> Jericho grabs a sign from somebody who, like, says Jericho is his idol and then tears it up and yells, I'm too good to be his role model. <laughs> I missed that. Did, that is fantastic. Did you miss it? It was like during the entrance. It's pretty great. Also, yeah, I did miss that. <laughs> um, 
One other thing too that kind of bothered me here, friggin, I don't know why they do this on the network, but like they dubbed in Break the Walls Down as Jericho's entrance music for this. No, that was his that was his entrance music back then. Or for WCW. Yep. Are you serious? Like I thought that was a WWE music. Yep. Nope. So what, he had the same song in both WCW and WWE? He sure did. That's really freaking weird. I believe it's, like, his song. It's him singing. That's really weird. I honestly thought that it was an overdub. Yeah, I don't think so. I think he's always had that music. Hmm. I can't <laughs> believe that you missed the sign. I really can't. Yeah, I, d- I did miss that. There was the manage- management interview prior to that match where, uh... They're allowing the powerbomb legal for one night in the Giant versus Nash match. <laughs> yeah, I don't care about that match. My one takeaway from that <laughs> match was remembering how lanky Kevin Nash is. Yeah, and then he tore, a, a tri- <laughs> he tore his knee and blew it out again, and then I didn't care, even though I didn't really do it, but I expected it to happen. <laughs> so Malenko Jericho, cruiserweight title. Yeah, good 15-minute match, late 90s technical match. Um, submissions so pretty much all over the place, and... Yeah, finishes being protected. Did you see the dude with a laser pointer at the end of this match? Yeah, that's the 90s for you. Yeah, okay. The laser pointers were a plenty. I'm glad it wasn't just me. Like, I thought I was going crazy, because, like, after I saw it, I couldn't see it again. Like, aiming it at, um, Damalinko's face during the post-match interview. Yeah, they always do that in the 90s. Yeah, it's not a great idea. Yeah, it got to the point where, uh, if you would go into arenas... Uh, they'd have metal detectors, and if they saw a, uh, a laser pointer, they would just take it. Yeah, that makes sense. Like, you could blind someone with other things. Yep. It is a laser into your eyeballs. <laughs> yeah, not a great idea. Not a great and idea. And it's annoying on TV as well. Yeah, I, like I said, I saw it. It annoyed me. I couldn't focus on anything besides the laser pointer. Yeah. So Jericho retains with the Lion Tamer, and uh, this is where uh, Mean Gene... Uh, has a post-match interview with Malenko, and he calls him out, being 0-4 on big matches. So, and a what loser. was this for? Starcade, where else? Sin? Sin, maybe? Greed? <sighs> Halloween Havoc? I think he lost... Yeah. Yeah, so he's he's lost basically four major pay-per-views in a row. Where does Dean Malenko go from here? Home. We actually see... Uh, Malenko kind of kicking the ropes. He's incredibly frustrated. The most character work Dean Malenko you've ever seen before. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So pretty funny. And and Mean Gene's getting pissed off at him. Like, what do you have to say for yourself? You're a loser. You're a choke artist. He's calling him out. I really like it. I kind of miss this with... Uh, this is why Mean Gene was just so good. He, he would actually make it seem real, you know? Um, and Malenko just simply says, Home. And he, he goes away. He did. Yeah. And uh, I, if memory serves, I think he you, like you don't see him on TV for months. And then he just shows up out of nowhere. Interesting. And, like the crowd popped really hard. Interesting. One other thing I'd like to yeah. point out here that I completely forgot was the thing. Um, dude, remember when freaking TNA had good commentators? And like going back here and listening to freaking um, the Professor Mike, Mike Tanae. Yeah. Oh, I was so happy to hear his voice. Dude, Shivani and Mike Tanay are... Oh, it's my favorite. And Bobby Heenan, favorite. It, it, they, those three are possibly my favorite 
commentary team of all time. I was all in as soon as I saw the professor. I'm like, hell yeah. yeah they work very well together. And they're just, they're, their voices are, are great. They, everything's presented well. It seems real. There's none of this stupid comedic banter. I mean, that's all Bobby Heenan's shtick. But sure. he doesn't, it, it's not the whole time, you know? Dude, friggin' Mike Tanay was like the Mario Ronaldo back then of today. You know, I'll swap that around, but you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, like, yeah, he could yeah. name all of the Lucha moves. He could name everything. Like, he just knew what was going on. Oh, yeah. So uh, Tanay is in NXT, but I, I think he's just working, like, through booking. I, I was... When, when I saw the NXT signing of Tanay, I was really hoping that he commentary? would join commentary. Yeah. yeah, I didn't know he was in friggin' NXT. That would explain where he's gone. I thought he just retired. He's... Yeah. No, he's in hmm. NXT now. Fair enough. Okay, sir. Next up, we had the... Um... Triple Raven cut a promo. Oh, yep. Sorry, I was going to say we had the triple threat, but yeah, Raven cut a weird promo, and the website apparently redirects you to WCW's wiki page. Yeah. Yeah, I had to try it out. I saw that. Raven was on, like, a radio show, and it had this, um, this WCW website listed at the bottom, so I was like, I wonder if that still works, and it just immediately redirects to World Championship Wrestling on Wikipedia. (laughs) It's kind of funny that someone went out there and bought it. It just like redirects it. It's pretty, pretty entertaining. Um, so dude, we got frigging Big Papa Pump, Scott Steiner versus the Total Package. Yep, White Thunder versus Lex Express. Oh boy, dude, the Total Package versus Big Papa Pump. What the free? Mm. Right, I, I, Scott Steiner to me has been he's someone. He's not Big Papa Pump yet. Yep. Okay, he is to me, but um, Scott Steiner to me, dude, he's been someone that like he just pops up from time to time in really weird places and like <laughs> he's got a really weird shaped body he does he's a genetic freak like he's probably a, didn't know that though no i did he, he's <laughs> um he, he could also do very good math but um his arms have always looked weird he's just weird looking i thought the back well, then the like late they, 80s early 90s he looked a lot more normal and then obviously steroids and shit got into his system yeah like or i he, i i don't know he yeah i thought when i saw him here it was gonna look normal it's like nope it's all the weird ass looking scott Steiner that i've known for years yep oh kitty get off the mic stand please uh bad kitty but this match was a complete waste of fucking time yeah it was freaking lex wins with the clothesline to the back yeah after rick steiner came out distracted white thunder over here he pins him and then <laughs> three minutes but then again, I don't want to see a Lex Luger match last longer than three minutes, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, but he's a total package. Used to be. <laughs> what? He's not the narcissist right now, dude. He is the total package. He is nothing right now. He can't last longer than three minutes in the ring. <laughs> I saw his thong. Did you see his thong? I saw his thong. He's got a thong on. He does. Thong I saw thong. it. It's black. All right. So, um... Triple threat U.S. title match. I didn't Street watch this. Fight. I refuse to watch Benoit matches. I told you this before. You go ahead. That's fine. That's fine. I'll take this. Raven versus Diamond Dallas Page versus Chris Benoit. 17 and a half minutes. DDP retains. Really fun match. Uh, it lived up to all the build and the anticipation that we've seen on Thunder for like two months. Uh, three particularly really fun spots. One was DDP being thrown through the uncensored board into lighting. <laughs> hey, so he's just kind of laying back there. After that. 
Well, he was out for quite a long time. Was it right when they threw him through? Was it Benoit? Uh, they both threw him through it. So they both took out the champ. There, there was like this kind of makeshift alliance to take out the champion, and then they they went at it uh, through a singles for quite some time. Um, little hardcore spots here. Uh, favorite one was definitely when Raven took uh, Lodi's sign. It said, use my sign. So kind of like an ECW kind of thing going on. And it turned out to be a stop sign. Just a giant stop sign. And he cracked everyone over the head with it. Uh, and then the there was a sort of botched top rope diamond cutter onto a table. And it didn't break. Just ah, tipped over. Good, so. good to say the tables didn't work. Probably back then though. That's exactly what I was thinking. I was like, I wonder if this is going to break. And it just kind of goes, like, oh, well, good thing. Good, good to know that it's happened in 1998 as well. Yeah. Come on, Kitty. Stop going on the uh, the mic stand. Ugh. So uh, definitely a um, little spoiler here. This was definitely my match of the night. It wasn't even close. Uh, it's always good seeing a, a, uh, a longer build uh, deliver and the characters slash wrestlers involved. Uh, all play their roles so well. And um, DDP's still champion, so hooray. Yeah. Now, seeing as I didn't watch his match, my match of the night is either freaking Iceman Demolinko versus Jericho, or it is Conan versus Hoovy. I would probably say the Malenko-Jericho match, then. That would, no, I, I don't know. Like, they're both really good. Yeah. Uh, up to this point, every match was given, so, like, the perfect amount of time, I, th- I feel. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Giant then, versus Nash. Yeah, but then we get into the later half of the show. Yeah. Giant versus Nash. Remember their sold out one? Yeah, that wasn't very good. I didn't say that much, and I'm kind of grateful for it. Yeah. Now that that was the one where uh, Giant got dropped on his neck. Ugh. Real bad. Yeah. Ugh. Is that why the Jackknife was banned? This- uh, yeah, that is that was the story. Okay, that they made out of it. And then friggin' giant hit a jackknife on Kevin at some point. Yeah, and he got arrested a couple times. Nice. Oh, and apparently this is when they told me that like now it's legal to go over the top rope. It's legal to do the power bomb. No, yeah. no, no. This is also what they told me during this match. And now you can throw somebody over the top rope because like it used to be a DQ. Oh. Oh. Yeah, go back and listen okay. to the commentary in this match. I wrote it down. I believe you. I have no reason to doubt you. But like, I'd so see people going um, a lot, a lot, a lot of punches. Sure was. <laughs> and yeah, uh, a lot of punches. Then a DQ. Would you expect nothing less of the NWO and WCW? <laughs> uh, from what I've heard, no, 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 I would not. Yeah, uh, I, I expected nothing less of going into this, anyways, and. You know, six and a half minutes, fine. It kind of got you hyped up for, you know, the Giant versus NWO stuff. So, fair enough, I, I feel. And by this point, how Giant been with NWO and being champion and all no. that crap? Uh, was he kicked out of NWO yet? I think he was. And he, he was definitely champion. Yeah. Okie dokie. Yeah. Um, this is what I'm hoping happens in the Nia Jax-Tamina thing. They go like five minutes and then the Riot Squad just keeps jumping them. So we don't have to watch, we don't get... Sus- <laughs> but then they tag together, and they like beat up the Riot Squad, and then we get the introduction of Tag Team Champions, and then like Nair and uh, friggin' Tamina win them, and then no one takes them off them until they get relinquished. By oh, whatever. Tamina blowing out a knee or something, which tends to happen. 
Yeah, it'll happen eventually, I'm sure. All right, next match. Um, do you want to take us through this, dude? Because I don't have any notes for this, because this was during the time where I was trying to just catch up on everything, seeing as though my network was working. Okay. Well, this was Kurt Henning uh, with uh, with Ravishing Rick Rude as his manager ringside versus Bret Hart. Um, a, okay, so it went 13 and a half minutes. It was a really good technical affair with uh, Rude being, doing heel manager stuff, fair enough, on the outside. And uh, classic Kurt Hennig just overselling things. I love it. Just any any move was always twice as devastating looking when Hennig was involved. Uh, Hart wins, uh, despite Rude getting involved. Um, not match of the night, but I didn't hate this match at all. It was good. It's, uh, you know, with the, with the guys involved. Kind of wouldn't expect anything less. I feel that if there was a title or something involved, this would have been given more time. It would have had more build or anything. Uh, I definitely think it was it was a match built on name value, and so fair enough. It was just it was fine. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought too. I thought it was fine. So then the next match was Sting versus Scott Hall with Dusty Rhodes as his manager. Uh, for the WCW title, Scott Hall's finally getting his title shot after winning the crazy, like, World Royal War Rumble thing, Battle Royal. Yeah. World it's War the III. Rolling Stones, baby. This was basically the a very similar match to what we just saw with Hennig and Bret Hart. Instead of technical, we got more kind of power moves. You know, they're power wrestlers. They're bigger guys, so that makes sense. Um... I did get a kick out of Dusty Rhodes kind of sneaking into the ring doing like this cartoon tiptoe and then doing an elbow drop and making it <laughs> making it seem like it was the most devastating thing ever and the crowd bought every minute of it. They did. <laughs> Dude, it reminded me of Shape Dog and Wolf. Do you ever play that game on the Dug PlayStation 1? No. Okay. There's like a tiptoe feature and it's like every time the tiptoe is like do 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 like with piano like going from up to down. Oh, the Looney Tunes thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's what this that's what this was. So, uh, even Brass Knuckles got involved uh, with Scott Hall and, and Dusty, but hey, Sting ended up retaining. The match was only eight minutes. Yeah, one off. Kind of uh, wanted more out of this match personally, but they were clearly strapped for time at this point. Ah, uh, we're out of time. Yeah, he won off a um counter to the outsider's edge into a scorpion death drop. Yeah, it was a good. It was a good little counter counter finish. So fair enough. Guys involved. I would have liked to see the match go you know, to that 12, 15 minute mark, but, you know, hey, uh, they were strapped for time, clearly. It's crazy to think that, like, um, Scott Hall never won the WCW title. Mm, I don't think it's that crazy. I mean, he he's was popular. He, I know he's a tag team guy and stuff. Like, he was a former US champion, TV champion, everything else. Like, I just think it's crazy that, like, with the amount of people from the NWI that won the world title, that he wasn't one of them. Well, when you got, like, Hogan, Savage, Sting, all these guys involved uh at the top of the card there you know so there's just not room for that uh, that's why you saw hall always in the tag team picture and the um u.s title picture and whatnot so fair enough i have a question that's for when mid card that's when mid card titles mattered you had your established guys at the top well whoever was else. the um the u.s champion didn't they get a tie like you could cash it in for a world title match or some crap 
I don't remember. I think that was I DDP is think, the current US champion. I think that was a thing like maybe before WCW, like when they were on WA. It's possible. Question though, oh, regarding yeah, 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 yeah. regarding Hall and everything, had um, the Wolfpack happened by this point? No. Okie dokie. NWA Wolfpack is not a thing, so we're still waiting on that. Okie dokie. Speaking of still waiting on, uh, main event time. Hogan versus Savage in the steel cage for control of the NWO. This was trash. At least that's what we were told going into it. This was trash. So I have a lot of notes for this match because this was the worst main event I have seen and covered on this podcast. My notes for this match is Savage and Hogan hit each other with a belt. <laughs> so I thought it was strange halfway through they briefly fought outside the cage then they re-padlocked the door <laughs> so it's like what's the point of the padlock if they can just get out whenever they want because the whole point of this match was Hogan Savage finally have uh, you know themselves one on one there's not going to be interference from the NWO they until there is and they could... until there is I was like what the fuck so, Savage is, I will say this, Savage is very enjoyable to watch in cage matches, despite uh, this particular match being a slower pace. Um, he bumps like a machine, he blades, uh, really makes the guy he's up against always look a thousand times better. You know, we, we could go back to um, Savage Ultimate Warrior in the early 90s, uh, and then this match, it, it, Savage always brings out the best in these kind of matches, despite hindrances involved. <clears throat> A.K.A. Hogan. A.K.A. Hogan, in, in this case. So, uh, Savage gains controls and does a double axe handle from the top of the cage and then goes for an elbow drop. Yeah, this is where things start to get weird. That's one way to blow out your knees. Uh, it is. So, But, hey, the crowd popped hard. I popped hard watching it. Uh, he goes up for the elbow drop. You're like, no, just end the match already kind of deal. And then this is where uh, a giant, unarmed, blonde, bearded dude pulls Hogan away and enters the cage. What is that? Our photo is the protege? The something? He is something involved. Yeah, he's the he's Hogan's like protege. Also uh, his no. His friend to the end. But we still don't know who he is, what his name is, so let's keep it that way for now. Fine, we'll keep it kayfabe. We'll keep it kayfabe. He's just this big, blonde, bearded dude that's helping Hogan out. Uh, uh, then so this is the second time we've seen him. Dude, wouldn't you know? Like, as soon as that happens, there's somebody falling out of the sky. It's, it's Yeah, wouldn't, eh. wouldn't you know it? Sting drops from the ceiling <laughs> into the cage. Well, he lands on the cage, and then he jumps into the cage. Yeah. So there's a standoff with Hogan and Sting looking at the blonde, bearded dude and Hogan. Uh... So there's been like five minutes of just standoff and people staring at each other. And then just seemingly because reasons, Savage clotheslines Sting, gives him a pile driver, spits in Hogan's face, and walks away. And then Hogan screams, That's how it I'm is. your leader, I'm in charge of the NWO, and then bam, we're out of time! Yep, we're out of time. See us on Monday Nitro. I'm like, what? Fuck that finish. Fuck that whole angle that they did there. It accomplished literally nothing, and all that build was thrown out, thrown in the toilet. I, I, like, you want to talk about shitty WCW booking? It, seem, it, it seems, and I was talking with Travis, a.k.a. Hibiki, TMD, 
mm-hmm. uh, we had a whole conversation about like you can pinpoint shitty ass main events whether it's WWF or WCW and like downfalls of certain eras and time frames and it's always fucking Hogan it's always hmm. him hmm it just never ends just every time we're just like yeah this pay-per-view Hogan this pay-per-view what was the main event Hogan what was this one oh giant was involved but it ended up having like a bulldozer forklift thing involved Hogan every and then now this one and we're gonna see more over the course of the year I believe 98 was also that uh, infamous Halloween Havoc bullshit <laughs> like it, it's it's really bad that Jay, how livid were you when you saw this, or confused, or what do you like? You didn't have the big like f- two month build up to this with all the NWO shit. You're right. I didn't have any build going to this because I just watched this as a random ass show to watch on the network. Um, as a whole, I didn't mind the pay per view. To be honest with you, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I might actually start watching freaking Thunder with you, dudes. Um, but just for fun. Yeah, just for funsies. And whether or not I appear on here or not, like I've yeah, sure. I well, can, you'll always be prepared then. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, freaking though, like the, I don't know, man. Like you were promised something by the promotion of the match, and it just doesn't happen. And as a fan, like if I was around back then, I would have been pissed off. But for the most part, the crowd seemed to eat it all up. Mmm, I heard a lot of boos. I didn't. There was, there was like, trash being thrown at the cage, man. Yeah, but that's because Hogan. Well, it was also, ni- it was also the 90s. That is true. The time. You can't do that these days. No <laughs> beach balls, no fun. But, yeah, I agree exactly with what you and Travis... Just Chuck Mambo in progress. <laughs> yeah, um, because the tra- progress of one rule is don't be a dick. Um, but, yeah, like, I completely agree with, like, what you and Travis said. Friggin' Hogan appears to be just the downfall of whatever he's in. Thinking about it now, like, TNA went to crap after Hogan and Bischoff. Um, sure this, did. like, Hogan <laughs> was involved. Freaking WWE, at some point, I'm sure Hogan was involved. Yeah. Yep, and they're bringing him back. So what do you think's gonna happen? <laughs> Dude, he's a real Saudi Arabian. Um, I, I don't know, I guess... Oh my god, yeah, he was bragging on Twitter that he's happy to go to Saudi Arabia. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me, knowing Hulk Hogan. But, um... Oh, boy. Yeah, like, as I said, I'm I'm probably going to end up watching th- may- maybe Thunder or Nitro after this, figure out where exactly it takes place, um, and see if they even talk about what happened here on one of those shows and go from there. Well, the good thing about watching Thunder is it's the B-show, so think of it as, like, watching SmackDown. Well, you know? not by today's uh, standards of SmackDown. So, well, SmackDown 6, then. Think of it that way. Because you see a lot, you don't get oversaturated with, like, all the Hogan and Savage uh, nonsense that Nitro was filled with. Mm-hmm. You get, you get a lot of the other talent um, that kind of, they, they were the ones that migrated uh, over the over the years and generations. So, right, like Jericho uh, that, That's that. kind of the, yeah, exactly, and that's kind of, and Rey Mysterio and, and um, uh, Benoit, all, all those guys, all those guys. And they eventually leave and, you know, do the whole radical thing in WWF. And uh, it'll it'll be interesting going through going through it. I, I'm really enjoying watching Thunder. And it's nice and quick. It's like an hour and a half. So uh, That's not too bad. Yeah. 
Alrighty. Uh, that finishes out Uncensored 1998. Uh, and as I do, uh, just right fast, go through the podcast rankings, and then we can get the hell out of here. Sound good, Jay? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you can plug yourself once I'm done. Okay, so I'm just going to go through... Uh, I'm going to go New Japan first, because everything else kind of ro- rolls together. This was a very uh, women's wrestler-centric podcast, and that's c- kind of the main wrestling that's been going on lately. Um, so here's the rankings. New Japan first, as I mark down uh, the time. All righty. Uh, number one, I have Minoru Suzuki. Number two, Ishii, Ref Pro Title, naturally. Three, Shingo, best of the tag uh, tag league in singles. Um, four, Zack Sabre Jr., five, Goto, Rev Pro. Uh, and then six, I have the time splitters, because I couldn't really decide if there was one guy better than the other. So what I'm going to do is actually just split the points between the two you guys. You know, technically, I don't think they're the time splitters. They are the time splitters. No, the time splitters was Kushida and Shelly. Well, now it's Sabin, because they're Motor City machine guns. You just... Uh, yeah, okay, whatever. I'm... I'm, I'm yep, yeah, just keep going. Why? Do you know... Do you know... Do you know for a fact that they have a different name? No, I'm just saying that, like, the original time splitters was Shelly and Kushida, I'm pretty sure. I don't know whether I these... Think it interchanges between the guys. Okay. I, I was just saying, yeah. I'm sorry. Seven, Rapongi 3K. Uh, eight, Ishimori. Nice to see him on the list. He's definitely been a standout. Uh, nine, Desperado and Kanemaru. Got to give the champions some credit, right? right. And then uh, ten, uh, Tiger and Liger. Tiger and so Liger. Getting the, uh, the vets. Yeah, getting getting the vets some respect there. Uh, WWE. Shouldn't be any surprise uh, what's happening here. Number one, Becky Lynch. I don't think that's any question. Number two, Charlotte. Two, Charlotte. Three, Tony Storm. Four, Io Shirai. Five, Kairi Sane. Six, Undisputed Era for their NXT work. Uh, seven, Shayna Baszler. Eight, Dean Ambrose. Despite how I feel about the timing on his heel turn, uh, nothing happened on Monday Raw. By the way, he just kind of stood there in the audience. He's got a weird mouth. Yeah. Uh, nine, Rhea Ripley. Ten, Nikki Cross. Dude, I Colin's really going to be very impressed with you by putting Rhea Ripley on the list. Yeah, he, he certainly should be. <laughs> Alrighty, um, that takes us into tier three, which is the indie stuff. Uh, one, Tessa Blanchard. Two, Kento Miyahara. Something we didn't talk about on the podcast, but he uh, got back the All Japan title from Zeus. Fair in enough. a match that won, yeah, won he he it won up their previous match. Uh, I wasn't really a fan of their first encounter, but Miyahara just really stepped it up. Um, a lot of fans are are a lot of all Japan fans are kind of upset that Miyahara already got the title back. But to me, Zeus wasn't working as a champion. I'm glad he got the title, but I'd rather Miyahara have it personally. Fair enough. He's the ace of the company. Three, Michael Flynn, or Finn, I'm sorry, Michael Finn, the uh, the Danish dude. He's got this, uh, he wears like three sunglasses, a fur coat, he raps, he speaks English, he speaks, um, I think he speaks German as well. Uh, I watched like three of his matches that went up on WXW because they cover, they have Body Slam on there now. Hmm. And um, he's very fun to watch. There's a reason why he's been champ for like a year and a half. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Four, uh, Miko, Miko Satomura. 
Um, shouldn't be any surprise. Five, Mercedes Martinez. Six, ACH. Seven, AR Fox. He was in that seven-man elimination match in Lucha Underground. He sure was. Uh, he goes by Dante Fox there. Man, it's good to see him wrestle. I mean, he was gone I don't for like watch mo- Evolve. I was going to say, he was gone for like most of the season until like last week. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't watch a lot of Evolve anymore because of how good it is, but AR Fox is the original there. He's super fun to watch, and he's very talented, and he pulled it all together in that seven-man match. Uh, eight, Johnny Mundo. He's um, He's been killing it in Lucha Underground Impact, so... Uh, there's that. Uh, nine, Jake Strong, kayfabe break, breaking ankles. Gross. Uh, and ten, Pentagon. So he made it to the list. Tessa Blanche is not on the list. She's number one, man. I didn't catch that. My bad. Yeah. Uh, and then the women, which was so hard. It was so hard to rank them. But uh, number one, I have Becky Lynch. Number two, Tessa Blanchard. Number three, Charlotte uh, Flair. Number three, Mako Satamora. Oh, Number four, okay. Tony Storm. Thought she can do Charlotte, but okay. Uh, oh, wait. Uh-oh. I messed up. Uh, so above Tony Storm needs to be Charlotte. So what's that? Number In four? That. Number five. Yeah, Charlotte's number four. Gotcha. I forgot to put her name in there. Ooh, good catch. Charlotte. All right. Five, Tony Storm. Six, Io Shirai. Seven, Mercedes Martinez. Eight, Kairi Sane. Nine, Chelsea Green. Good. She's great. She is great. She's the hot mess. Uh, that one-on-one match with Pentagon was quite good. And then mm. ten, Shayna Baszler. So, very heavy, uh, women-centric episode. Good for rankings. Like I always do, uh, upon the episode's release, I will put out the updated ranking tables on my Twitter, at BowlingJD or RedleafRetroCast. Look them both up. Good stuff here. <clears throat> and um, I haven't caught up with the Stardom's Tag League that's going on. I've watched a few main events, but they're really just their typical kind of tag matches. I'm not the biggest Stardom tag team match fan. I really like that for their singles matches, Jay. Hmm. Yeah. So, why don't you do a uh, a plug for yourself, Jay, and what you're about, Before where they can find you, and then we can I get out of here. do that, I find it really interesting that Stardom is doing a tag league right now, at the same time as you can. Yeah, I think they always do that. Hmm. Interesting, yeah. interesting, interesting. Well, you can follow me on Twitter at TheVivaLegati, which is at T-H-E-V-I-V-A-L-A-J. Don't stuff that up. L-A-J-D. Never mind, I'm freaking tired um or right, at smack it what was that i don't blame you yeah pretty much <laughs> or at um smack it down pod which is the podcast twitter all right so definitely go check that out uh all of his information's in the description of the episode as well as a link to the youtube channel uh email for any questions you want to send us uh and definitely hit us up on itunes and stitcher and leave us a nice little review i need it i crave it I want it. <laughs> I reviewed you. I don't know if it helped. I think I was the first person wrote, in Australia you wrote a to do for it. Us? Oh, so nice. Like it's really weird though because like Australian reviews it actually count the overall thing. Uh, I think they're separate for regions. Yeah, I'm pretty so sure I they should are. Get an email about it. I, I should get an email from it eventually. I did this but... ages ago, dude. I'm pretty sure. Oh well, <laughs> I have no way to check it. Too bad. Damn. Oh, doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It's there. It's a review. I I have it now. So, this has been 
the Redleaf Retrocast, WrestleCast Edition, Episode 16, Global Wars Evolution. Thank you for joining us. This was a super fun episode, and finally, an episode under three hours. <laughs> yeah, just two hours and 30-something minutes? Yeah, fantastic. This is, uh, we're getting better. The, the fantasy promotion stuff took up a lot of time at the start. So, for once, but, my podcast went longer than yours this week. Ah, uh, good. All right, I'm going to cue that NWO music, and we're out of here. All right. Thanks for having me.